plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we're back. Cantrip Cartel's in the house. We're here to record magic. Matt, how's it going? Oh, good enough, I guess. The, uh, the, the pauses get cut out. Um, the pause for dramatic effect That wasn't cut pause out. for dramatic effect. I was thinking of something to say. Did your fucking brain shut off? <laughs> no, it was just... Uh, about the most exciting thing that happened was I got Chinese for dinner <laughs> tonight. That's the only thing you've done in a week? Uh, it hasn't really... I mean, I just kind of went to work. I've been listening to those Warhammer books, so I'm on the... I'm a decent way into the second book. <laughs> I tell you, I've spent like $300 on Warhammer yep. shit. I, and what did I tell you? I warned you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm no, not saying no, it's no. gone wrong yet, but yeah. I'm just like, I, don't buy well, it on my account. Me and Sarah, Sarah's got, um, I bought, um, I've bought three for me and Sarah's bought one. Yeah. So I've got, and I bought an airbrush. <laughs> so like I've been painting mine. Uh, I've got two more to assemble. She got hers assembled though. And she's been painting. I'm really hoping we can get into it together and we can play together. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of just like I well, like I told you, I've been kind of wanting to get into it. And then like having you kind of give the like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go for it. I was like, I'm doing this. Gotcha. And I also learned um, I don't know. It's like like online metas. I don't know. I was talking to a buddy of mine who plays a decent bit and I was talking about Slanesh and he was like, yeah, Slanesh shit's hard to find because I guess I'll, some people play her competitively. I guess she's I guess the 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 Slanesh demons, he told me, are decent competitively. And so gotcha. her minis can be harder to find. Huh. So you just happen to pick one that's okay. Well, with 10th edition coming out soon, yeah, they might get a fucking axe and be like, oh, cool. Um, but yeah, I've, I've finished the first book. The first book was very good. It was a, it was a very enjoyable read. Although, I mean, obviously I'm listening to it on audible, but couldn't recommend it enough. Um, into the second book. It's going fine so far. Uh, played a little bit more of the game. Uh, Warhammer 40 K inquisitor martyr. Cause we need, three fucking titles for a video game. Uh-huh. Uh, that's going well. It's not a super deep game, but it's fun. It's just like something to do when I'm mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. out of things to do. And it's the big thing with me is like, it's one of the few things, like I listen to the dialogue. Like I just, I like the story. Yeah. I like the dialogue. I like the universe and the setting. So I'm kind of trying to immerse myself in that. Um, went up to my hometown for Easter and saw my parents and, my in-laws nice did some yard work and some house cleaning for my uh my wife's grandma because she's 91 uh not really able to go out there and clean up her yard very uh-huh. much anymore say, she's still living alone yeah that's pretty impressive that's yeah. the impressive part she's uh she still lives alone she's she's got like not like alzheimer's but like she has some minor like memory issues oh, but yeah. it's more like when she's trying to think of your name she thinks of somebody else and yeah, like well, her recall just takes a little bit longer. My dad's like 16. He still calls me by my brother's name. Right. My brother's been dead for five years and he still calls me Bob sometimes. Yeah. So like, but other than that, I mean, she, she takes care of her own medication. Like that's impressive. for herself in general, cleans for herself. Like, but we gave her our house like a, like a deep clean mm-hmm. and like then, a spring uh, clean. Yeah. And then cleaned up the yards. So we spent a few hours cleaning that up. Um, what else did I do? Not a whole lot. Like, just kind of been hanging out, almost done watching, like, we're on the last few episodes of uh, the last season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We're, kind of what we're working, we're working through. through again, huh? Yep. So, wrapping that up. <laughs> so, um, 
I'm assuming you're about done then. Yeah, there's a, yeah. I don't have much to report. So I, have, I have plenty to talk about. So I went from being in a desert of content where I said, I, I don't listen. I have a playlist from when I used to deliver packages and uh, I listen to music here and there, but I almost never listen to music anymore. I'm always listening to something and I've had such little content to enjoy lately that I've been listening to, to the radio again and to music because like, there's nothing I want to watch. And so then I started reading uh, Fellowship of the Ring, Yep, which is kind of boring um, and has currently been set to the wayside by a lore hammer uh, Warhammer. How far did you get in fellowship? Oh, what? I think they just escaped. Uh, I think Tom Bombadil just got him, saved him from the gotcha. Barrow white. Uh, that was basically the end of it. The end of where I got to, but I started listening to a podcast. i basically the lore of Warhammer. Cause it's interesting. Um, I've started, I'm, I'm still trying to keep up with my magic podcasts. And I've started watching South Park. Yep. And so I have this just now I'm literally falling behind on all the content I want to consume between trying to watch South Park with the wife, trying to do a watch uh, Warhammer real play videos to try and better learn the rule set and trying to um, learn the lore to just be a little more educated on it to trying to get through Lord of the Rings because I want to I want to listen to it. I am. uh I'm I'm just behind and and now assembling minis, which I will tell you, I thought assembling and painting would be um, what I would hate. The assembling part, which I was dreading, actually is kind of fun. Um, the way the stuff is molded, at least the one I did, the one kind of complicated one, it all just like fits together really well, and it was very satisfying to have things kind of click into each other. And mm-hmm. you're gluing it, obviously, but to have it kind of work together was really satisfying. Uh, there wasn't tons of tiny little piddly pieces. Um, Sarah's, she did some, I. Th- She's doing the Adeptus Sororitas, so it was, it was flying. It was it's it's um it's humans and they're like flying and shit. But they had like tons of like little 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 tiny tiny pieces, and that looked super fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. But it was really satisfying. I've been working on painting it. I've gotten like the broad strokes done, and now I need to like do the finer details, which I always hate because the finer details are harder and you fuck up a lot. And it's just like it's so much just going back and forth of redoing areas because you tried to touch one thing up and then you touched another thing and. Like, I don't know if you're supposed to paint these minis, like if you're supposed to assemble them in like like thirds and then paint them and then finish assembling them, mm-hmm. or if you assemble them and then paint them. Every video I see is always people painting an assembled mini. A fully mini. assembled mini, yeah. But like this one, it's the something epitome, but it's like it's like two chicks standing on like the tent, like, like ten, writhing tentacles um that are and the, there's a giant mirror behind them and the tentacles come out of the mirror. But like there's just everything's wrapping around itself. And so I'm sticking my paintbrush like through things to try and paint areas. And it's a huge pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. That's I imagine there's some sort of middle ground there's where got, like there's I'm, certain minis where like it's like you can assemble it. But before you put this and this piece on, yeah. paint those two things or whatever. So that's been but it's not as bad as I thought. I did enjoy assembling it. I've been enjoying painting it like it's not terrible. I'm really looking forward to playing. I've obviously got like I've got a cavalry unit purchased that I need to paint or I need to assemble and paint. I've got. Uh, I spoke with our local card shop, Sages, and I've I need to ask him when they're going to come in, what the like ETA on them is. But a little like basic bitch dude unit, like a like a like ten people to a squad. Yeah, one of those is coming that I'll need to paint, and then I've also got another like character. I think it's a named character that's like a medium sized dude that needs to get painted, and then I need to buy like a large dude because every time I see the armies, like the media, all the armies I see are usually like some medium dudes, some uh, like a bunch of small dudes, some medium dudes, and then a big dude. And the big dudes are kind of expensive. They're like $150 a piece. Yeah. But I need to buy one of those. 
the cool thing about them is they're a lot easier to paint. Like even the even this like this uh, mirror, while it is like really in and around itself, like just because the mini's bigger, it's way easier to paint the stuff. Like a mm-hmm. lot of the things are just way simpler. But like I'm still like way behind. But I've been really getting into it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, that's what I did on Sunday. Sunday we went to the zoo. Our company hosted a zoo day. So I went down, saw Dad, went to the zoo, and then on the way up from Indy, stopped at a card shop, and we spent, like I said, I bought two, Sarah bought one, and we bought a bunch of paint, spent like 200 bucks, <laughs> and I spent like 30 or 40 bucks on eBay on a different one I kind of wanted, because the internet said, this is a really good unit for Slanesh, get these, okay, I'll buy them. Gotcha. So I've been rushing to get all the, now I, I immediately have a backlog of stuff that needs assembled and painted, that I'm working on, but having fun. Um, the other thing I was going to talk about is I... This is a little side tangent, but it's a funny thing that happened, depending on uh, where you're sitting yesterday. So we had a meeting early in the morning. So I woke up in time to leave for the meeting. Couldn't find my keys. Couldn't find them for half an hour. Mm-hmm. Was super late to the meeting. Told my boss he's fine with it, but like could not find them. I looked through the house so many times that I was like, well, over the weekend, I went and saw my mom for Easter and I got in the lower garage, which is locked. I wonder if I locked them in the lower garage. And eventually it boiled down to the only way to get into the lower garage is to break the door open. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I walked around the house for, again, 30 minutes to be like, I really because I'm going to go break that door down and they're not going to be in there. And they weren't. Of course. But uh, Tuesday afternoon, I had to go to the store and buy a doorknob or a new <laughs> a new lock and put a new lock on the door because I had to fucking break the old one out. <laughs> that was how my fucking Tuesday started. No, we didn't. We didn't record that day because like. So we didn't record on Tuesday because I went, I got off work early, went and did that. And then I came home and I text Matt. I was like, yeah, we'll record like 4.30, whatever. We got that done by like four o'clock. And then I text Matt. And I was like, I just don't like, I want to hang out with my wife and I don't really feel like recording today. I don't really know why. I just don't feel like recording. And then promptly fell asleep until like 7.30, 8 o'clock. So once again, what starts off is I just don't really feel like recording results in a three hour nap because I guess I'm way more tired than I thought I was. Yeah. Naps are nice sometimes. Yeah. The other thing that, so the other thing that happened on Sunday we're kind of bouncing all around. So my mom has been talking about moving to Florida forever. Mm-hmm. She really wants to. Well, she decided that she wants to move to Florida now and has already gotten someone's going to rent her house. And so she's fucking leaving. And so like on Sunday, we went down for Easter dinner, which was really a really simple, small dinner we had together. And she's just getting rid of stuff. She's going through the house. She's packing stuff up. The person who's moving in was an old friend of mine from 4-H. But like just... I took the trailer down and brought a trailer full of shit back. Mm-hmm. And it was surprisingly emotionally taxing because like I already watched the barn get shut down, which the barn is where I spent the majority of my life. Like everything about my life was horses and the barn. And that's a fucking trash heap now because there's a renter there who she's not destroying the place, but she's got a bunch of fucking she's a hoarder. And so there's just garbage everywhere. Mm-hmm. Not trash, but garbage. And all the horses are gone and and like all the fences destroyed and the houses are destroyed. And like I just remember spending most of my formative life up there fixing fence, running horses, moving them, feeding them, watering them, fixing stuff, moving stuff. And just to see it in complete disarray is so sad. And now the, it's happening to the house where like the house is being emptied out where she's, mm-hmm. she's renting it out. It's not selling it, but it's, it's leaving. It's not my house anymore. My mom's not going to be there. Yeah. So it was a very emotionally taxing weekend. It was really, it, that really sucked. Luckily on Monday though, I did get to go three at pioneer. So it all boils out in the end. Yeah. Um, I finally broke down and I bought the last $30 for Rakdos Midrange, except for Sheldridge, which I refused to buy. And Because uh, he sold his and now they're higher. <laughs> I wouldn't have bought them for what they were when they were lower. Yep. They were like 40, 50 bucks at the time. And I, I will not pay 50 bucks for a fucking standard card. Me neither. Um, But 
Turns out Rakdos midrange is really fucking good. That's why it's like 17% of the Pioneer meta. So mm-hmm. I had a ton of fun playing that. It felt way overpowered for our group. Like, there's a few like tierish decks there, but most everyone's playing like fun brews and having a good time. And I just fucking stomped on people. It was I had a couple games where I legitimately lost to some fun interaction. Like I lost to I lost to uh an angel deck, mono white angels, and my list is running power word kill, which can't kill angels. And I just lost to a uh, a 3-3 three, three Seraph that doesn't dealt combat damage. Like, no combat damage is dealt to it. Mm-hmm. And then he got two plus one plus one counters on it, making it a 5-5. Five, five. And just, I could not kill it for four turns. I just and, punch, 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 punch. And that's what it takes to fucking lose. <laughs> yep. And then I did lose a game to... Turns uh, out Sarah's an- Sarah Angel is good. Still good. And then Azoria Spirit's got one, because it's, you know, you can't kill them all. Like, I killed the first five, and then he drew, like, four more creatures. Yep, then it's Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. Uh-huh counterspell with a spirit yeah. attached to it yeah so i had a lot of fun went 3-0 pretty handily i will play it some more and that's going to be my new like competitive deck if i'm going to an rcq or something but we'll bounce back to something a little more fun to just have a better time at pioneer maybe i'll keep playing rot priest or maybe i'll play lotus field a little bit and keep tuning a off meta version of that to have some fun but yeah i think that's all the things i did that's all the new stuff i'm getting into the the warhammer the easter dinner breaking into my own garage um Work's been super slow. Like I said, I go home at like two o'clock a lot now. Yeah. It's, I've been <clears> which doing is a blessing a lot, and a curse. A lot more sitting around lately at work. But I said I've been I've been enjoying the time with Sarah and I'm not gonna scoff at having a little extra time with my wife because there'll be there will be weeks where I'm putting in sixty hours and I'm gonna be showing up to eat dinner and go to bed. Yeah. That's uh kinda so, how you have to look at it is just like just take the overtime when you get it. Yep. And take the easy time, like the the lighter weeks when you yep. get them, and just be like, yeah, it's going to balance out it, in the end. Let it balance. Speaking of let it balance. Horrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> Let's balance out us talking about ourselves with thanking our patrons. By the way, this is one of our shortest introductions in the last, like, three months. Been a slow week. So uh, we always give a shout out to our patrons every week. If you want to join us over on the Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. We'll do a little quick this week. Empra puts our stuff on Reddit every single week and is uh, brewing up a really sweet, like I, like he's been working on it forever, but like a sign, he's putting sign of Draco into, uh, into like Maverick Modern. So I'm excited to see what's going on with that. Uh, Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Asphalt, Ted, Mumbledown, Rob M, Limit of Questions, and our two newest patrons, Winter, who is a good friend from uh, Monday Pioneer, and Rose, who is also a, a new friend from Monday Pioneer, who actually jumped in at the uh, top, top tier co-host patron level. So I need to talk to her. Um, we talked about it briefly before she decided to go for it. And I want to know if uh, she's actually interested in being a co-host, if she wants to come on a little bit here and there, or if she just wanted the bragging rights, which is totally fair that we have one co-host spot and she has claimed it. So yep. we'll see what's going on with that. Keep an eye out. Um, oh, the other thing, talking about the Reddit. So before we wrap up our Patreon segment, I am in contact with a, <laughs> this is how we how I said I would describe him or, or her, uh, them, because I... I'm in contact with someone who owns four Doomsdays and has been playing the deck for a very long time. And so I'm hoping later this week to hop on with them and record a segment on uh, some of the different builds of Doomsday. Because, and I quote them, we have looked at some of the most innovative versions of Doomsday recently and called them stock and rolled on. Yep. Because we don't know what we're looking at. (laughs) Hey, but 
we always say every time we don't know what we're looking at with Doomsday. Yes, and, and they didn't seem very upset with us, but yep. yeah, they clearly we don't know what we're talking about. So I'm looking forward to hopefully recording a bit Never of a segment claim to with be them. A Doomsday expert. And uh, what we'll do is we'll we'll record an episode and then like staple it on the end or something. So uh, looking forward to getting some education for us and for our listeners. But speaking of education for our listeners, Matt, how is Legacy looking? So. I don't often do this because it doesn't happen very often, but I was right. Uh, Jake and I had a little disagreement about a card ca- card called Containment Construct, and it has won a Legacy Challenge. And in Matt's defense, it's actually shown up in the top eight. It's top eighted several, it's, several times. Yes, but it is now officially 1-1, so, you know, hooray for me. Yeah, this card's terrible. Clearly. That's why. <laughs> this is such a gimmicky... I uh, what about this deck is makes it hard to defeat. I like it folds to what every counter spell, it folds to every removal spell, it folds to any type of um like storm storm style interaction where like you can only play one spell a turn. Uh, I guess it's good against Aether Sworn Cannonists, but like Deafening Silence or uh, Dampening Sphere, like it it folds to all of that shit. Yep, sure. <laughs> and here it is in first place of the challenge. Who is piloting it, dude? They don't even make deck force of will. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Killaby. So credit where credit's due. Killaby piloted this awful looking deck to first to place. To be fair, yeah, I mean, force of will be really hard in this deck. There's not a whole lot of blue cards. Nope. You've got Riddlesmith, Breakthrough, and Echo of Aeons. Yeah. Um, it's just technically blue. But yeah, uh, when I first saw Containment Construct, I was like, that is really narrow, but that is a very powerful effect. I don't know how it's oh, going to ever get used. I definitely recognize that it's a powerful effect, but it's a it's such a bad card. Like, yeah, it's super strong, but it's a super strong thing attached to a 2-1. Yep. <laughs> a 2-1 artifact. You can wear tear. I know. <laughs> it dies to, like, every removal spell except for what? Go for the throat. <laughs> yep, you can't go for the throat. It. But doesn't matter. No, it, I, obviously it won. So... Just happy to see that. I'm just kind of tooting my own horn here because that was one of the first cards I called. And not that I called, but like I called that real early on. You respected it. I didn't respect it. So uncommon. That's about that card. That's what threw me off the most is that is a very powerful effect and a pretty complicated effect as far as not how it's going to be played, but what it can do to see on an uncommon and that kind of caught my eye to begin with. I was like, that seems a little, that should probably be a rare, just from like a design perspective, like a complexity level thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Super happy to see it. Can't believe that card is playable in Legacy. Well, as we've discussed many times, there are a bunch of, most of these, like, because well, this isn't, Riddle Smith is not a tier one deck. It's probably a tier two, because currently oh, and, Legacy's. Oh tier list is that it's tier two is actually pretty broad yeah but at best it's tier two and it just brought down a challenge (laughs) yeah but we've seen some janky decks yeah sneak in Um, and win one but to me i look at this at the same same kind of thing where it's like well if we actually look what's in the deck it's a lion's eye lion's eye diamond deck so you've got one of the most broken cards in legacy yeah you've got ancient tomb soul land you've got urza saga like this deck is built around and enabled by a bunch of super powerful effects, and then you just needed one or two really narrow cards to kind of make 
uh, 27 zero mana artifacts worth running. <laughs> Sorry, 25. Because there's also either spell bomb and defense grid in the list. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just super excited about it. Don't have much to say about the deck. Um, there is one interesting new card in it that um, people were really hyped on from uh, Frexia All Be One. I never thought it is was it good. The Vindictive Flamestoker? The Vindictive Flamestoker. Um, people were talking about this possibly in, in Delver. It was kind of the hotness for a little bit. So it's one red for a 1-2 Phyrexian Wizard. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on Vindictive Flamestoker. Then it has the ability to pay 6 and a red, uh, sacrifice Vindictive Flamestoker. You discard your hand and then draw 4 cards. And that ability costs 1 less per oil counter on it. So the idea was it was a... One mana, one two. That over the course of a game turns into a one mana draw four, mm-hmm. draw draw four, discard a shitty yeah. hand, draw four cards. And you know the people talking about it were pointing it out as just this like inevitability creature that you have to answer, and it just it eats a kill spell. One more thing that just eats a kill spell, and you know frees up, uh, uh, you know your DRC might survive, or your or your your Merktide might survive, or you're gonna draw four cards, and um. It, it is to me the card is the epitome of kind of like Mercurial Spell Dancer, just a clunky card that is a bad top deck late in the game and needs everything to go right to be really powerful. And if anything goes wrong, it's a joke of a card. The one mana one two that does nothing. And if everything goes right, will eventually draw you four cards if you're willing to ditch your hand, which is also super relevant. In, I think. Whether or not this that card sees play long term in this deck, obviously nobody knows. I think this deck is running it specifically because most of those things don't really apply. When you've got twenty five free spells, all of a sudden casting six non creature spells doesn't mean anything. Yeah. When almost every single one of them then draws you the next one. Yeah, well, it does. It this. I mean, this is this is a storm deck, and it does work with storm really well. Yeah. Where you know, the turn you play it is probably the turn you're going off or, or very soon. And it fuels Storm really well. And there's no downside to discarding your hand. It also plays really well with Lion's Eye Diamond because you're frequently going to have an empty hand anyways. Yeah. So you can discard your hand, get the mana, sack, use one of the red, sack it, discard your hand again, yeah. draw, draw four, four cards. cards. So it refills after a Lion's Eye Diamond. It's perfect as just a one of. Whether or not they run more, I don't know. But like, it's one of those, like, you look at this, you look at that card. I look at that card and I go... I've said it a million times. It warrants testing where it's just like, eh. yeah, it seems like in this particular, like I could see, like when you look at it on the surface, you're like, well, why the hell would I run or would have, why the hell would I want to run that in any like fair deck? Yeah. Because I've, when you're running a fair deck, everything you just said, 100% yeah. applies. But when now, you're going to get it six oil counters on one turn, none of that really does apply. I have, you know, put myself, I haven't played against this card, but I put myself in the position of like, I could see you playing this and just getting like an eye roll from me where it's like, I do have to deal with that eventually. And it does fit that criteria where like, I have to deal with that eventually. But if that's the criteria that's going to make a card playable, I feel like there's better cards in Legacy that I have to deal with that eventually. Yeah. Like there's better cards in this. But I mean, I, I, I don't, yeah, it's not, it's not like strictly unplayable. Yeah. It's like containment construct. The nice thing is, is it does cost one. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, it's low cost way. entry. But yeah. like, think about the one the one mana slots it's fighting for. Yeah. Brainstorm, Ponder, Swords of Plowshares, Delver, well, to DRC. Be fair, I would say it's not fighting for any of those because well, no, it's not I mean, even in the same league. No, I, and well, well yes, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, that's that's the spot in your deck you're trying to put this is these yeah. one drops and like Lightning Bolt, uh, Fatal Push. Mm-hmm. 
in what world are you in doom these little these one man spells that you're you know I eh, just but it is a strong card and it does it does fit with this deck really well and it, it's that one of like it makes like this deck runs a lot of one ofs especially looking at the sideboard sideboard is all full of one ofs which is okay because a lot of the times when the deck is going off you go through your entire deck. You're that's, churning. Like, that's literally the point of the deck is to go through the entirety of the deck. And you, so also in this deck, you're running five tutors. Now you've got four of them are gamble, but with a riddle Smith gam or a containment construct, the gamble is a fantastic card. Yep. It, and it, then it, oh. the entomb is strictly speak. Not it's mostly in there for echo vans. Not yeah, only, but mostly so, but it's a cool deck. We have seen it several times. But we've never seen it win. So congratulations, Killaby. Yes. Now let's get on to a real deck. Elves! We haven't actually seen elves in a couple weeks. I don't even think it topped 32 last week. Well, last week we did the showcase. Uh, we didn't look at the... Well, I think I looked at the, the, oh, the, the challenge, challenge. Too, and I don't think it topped 32. It's been a minute since we've seen elves pop up, uh, which, like, initially, like the first week after the ban, it was, it, I think it top aided, and then the next couple weeks it didn't do anything at all. Um, so I'm excited to see it back. I don't know if just the pilots took a couple weeks off <laughs> or if it was just in a bad spot or things just kind of had to settle down or if something shifted, who fucking knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, any number of things could have happened. I am happy to see that the non-elf elf lists are gone. Or at least this one is. Not, <laughs> yeah, this this is, is an actual elf list. This is a more traditional Nettle Sentinel Birchlore Rangers elf list. Yeah. so Not, got, green, not green Maverick. Yeah, not... Yeah, well, like <laughs> we talked about... What was it last week or the week? It wasn't obviously we didn't talk about it last week, but there was a that pseudo maverick list. Uh, it was running like four noble hierarchs and like two or three ignoble hierarchs, and it was basically the Gaia's Cradle control that we were that I was making fun yeah, yeah, of a yeah. few months ago. And they did exactly what I said. I was like, yeah, why don't was... you just ditch the Lanor elves for the yeah, the better the mana dorks. Yeah, we watched them for many, many weeks, just inch closer to Maverick, and we're like, "You guys feel like you're, it feels like you're playing a bad Maverick deck. Why don't you just play more Maverick cards?" Right. And they just played more Maverick <laughs> cards with Fiend Artisan. And, <laughs> right. And eventually, they just did. Yeah. It was just like, and then of course, once that happens, then it's like, well, now we we're right back to having two decks again. Uh huh. So it's just like, well, now I can just play elves. So that I get that, like people were trying to figure out a way and to some degree were successful yep. at combating the Delver menace. I a hundred percent understand that. Yeah. The only thing that drove me nuts is people still kept calling it elves. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was by the strictest definition was elves. Yeah. So, uh, this we've got, uh, doesn't look like we have anything new in the main or in the side. Uh, the only, the newest card we've got here is leaf crown visionary, which we've talked about. A million times. Yep, just a one of. Just a one of, which is exactly where I would run it. I, I I have four of these for Pioneer Elves. Basically, just one of in my Legacy Elf list. I really want to play Rakdos against your Pioneer Elves. I'm not saying it's clear either way. I think you have a shot because I'm answering one for one. I don't know. I haven't played it enough to even have any idea. The deck does have some really explosive starts. I think without those, it just gets picked apart uh-huh that's 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 why i'm curious if if with uh with handfuls of removal if i can keep up with the important elves and just keep you from going off yeah um the post game or the games two and three the sideboard games a lot of it's going to be whether or not i get the shape or sanctuary like the sideboard cards are pretty good in that yeah. matchup where it's just like okay well but even then 
if I get them too late or if I get them in combination with a bad hand, it doesn't really matter. Because, mm-hmm. like, you're still killing the things and progressing your game plan and you're still holding me up. So, like, depending on which elves you kill, especially if you're smart about it and you actually go after tempo gains. Yeah, so it it's like I pay three and you kill two. Like, you're you're down a card, but you're ahead on tempo now. Yeah. And like, I still don't have Maybe. a board presence. And that's, it, that's what that deck needs. Even like way more than legacy elves, legacy elves. If I have a driver, dryad arbor out and a natural order, you're potentially in trouble yep. at any point in time. It's all you need to win. The that's game. all I need to win the game. That is not the case with pioneer elves. Yeah. <laughs> you you well, like need some dudes on the, the field. Like, yeah. It's, you just fold it. Like the, the game is over after a border. There's no rebuilding. There's no yeah. plan B. Yeah. It's, it's go big or go home. Yep. And you kind of have to like all in commit yep. to it. So uh, it'd be interesting to play it a few times, but it's the the fact of the matter is, is Rakdos Midrange is actually a good deck and Pioneer Elves isn't. I mean, there's, yeah, one of the decks is on top of the meta and wins every week and one of the decks isn't. The other top 32 think, one challenge once. <laughs> I think I think I was talking to someone at the modern, because I don't watch, unfortunately, Pioneer very closely. I, I play enough of it that I'm content with uh, the, the little local meta we have and before tournament i'll check on it but like i guess it did really well to turn it in a challenge recently oh did it elves did do well in a challenge in the last like one to four weeks it had a couple of paper finishes I, as like, well I that were good it, it's a real deck i think it's a real deck in pioneer it's more a real deck than it is in modern to me it reminds me what it reminds me of is a better version effectively of rot priest the power is there but there's Everybody has the ability to answer it, and mm-hmm. it's just a matter of getting on a hot streak. If you get hot hand after hot hand after hot hand, like it can do incredibly powerful stuff. There were yeah. games where, like, on turn three or four, where it's like, I'm about to swing for fucking 50. Yep. Like, the game is over if you don't kill me on turn four. That's pretty powerful in Pioneer. Yeah. But there's also plenty of decks that are perfectly capable of A, doing that as well, B, doing it more consistently, or C, preventing you from doing that. Yeah. So it's just a matter of like, can you get the right matchups? Can you win a couple bad ones? Like, can yep. you play well or that's, d- does your deck do well when there's stumbles? Like, that's the exact reason I play that mentality is, is a reason I play um, Reanimator in Modern because, like, when the deck draws well, I, it's unbeatable. When the deck just draws decently, it's just like it, it, it feels completely one sided and there's nothing you can do to win. I have the answers for the problems. And this, what I'm doing is just so over the top that it doesn't matter how hard you fought the entire game. I did the thing once or twice and the game's over. Yeah. And that's like, that's what you should be looking for in a highly competitive deck sometimes is, you know, if you draw well, did they have no chance? Yeah. That's, that's the criteria. And fun, fundamentally, Pioneer Elves, the answer is no. The, if you draw well, they still have a chance. Gotcha. And like, like, yeah, I could have the best hand and it's easily disrupted by shock or shock thoughtsies. It does feel good like, running. It does feel really good running thoughtsies on the main and getting to open up games with like one <laughs> thoughtsies, turn two thoughtsies. That's what I mean. So like, <laughs> not to mention the deck is highly dependent. And to be fair, so are a lot of other decks that the green decks in the meta. Um, highly dependent on that turn one Llanowar elf going yeah. into turn two with three mana it is, is necessary super important and it is in legacy elves as well it's not required but it's again really important yeah and when it doesn't happen like you're just you're just playing a bunch <laughs> of bad cards 
Did I tell you my Rakdos deck runs four Thoughtseize in the main and two Duress in the side? Absolutely should. I go to fucking six Thoughtseizes. I, I see no reason not to. <laughs> Fuck your hand. <laughs> like, fact of the matter is... It was pretty good against Azorius Tempo. Thoughtseize is one of those cards where it's just like, there are, there are reasons not to run it. Like, there are decks that don't need it. Whatnot. Yeah. But like, fuck, man. It's one of the best cards ever printed. And it's legal in Pioneer. Why the hell wouldn't you want Thoughtseize? I do. In either, in, in the 75. Just somewhere. It's somewhere. one of the best cards. That's, and I told you like a couple weeks ago, I was playing it. We were talking about sideboarding. And the guy was like, oh, you can, you have Thoughtseize in your sideboard? And it's like, well, I have black mana in my mana base. <laughs> you should have been like, no, it's in the main, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let yes, me see I, that hand. Yeah, there's Thoughtseize. Anywho. Uh, Sideboard, uh, Run of Foul, Collector Oath, Endurance, Force of Vigor, Leyline of the Void. Pretty standard stuff. Spiciest decision here is actually Progenitus. Yeah. I'm legitimately on the Tyrannix Rex is just better than Progenitus. More castable. It's the same clock. And something I, someone said something, I never thought of it. You know what Tyrannus Rex does that Progenitus never does the turn it enters? Kills a Planeswalker. Yeah, true. And like that was, like when I heard that, I was like, oh, it's literally just better. Yeah, for the most part. I... There's incredibly narrow things that we yeah. talked about, but like you're talking about corner cases now. Yeah. At this point, I think I'd rather just have it as well. Yep. It literally like in a situation where they've been upticking their Teferi and it's sitting at three. Just pfft, dead. And they don't have the answer because they don't always. And you can be like, yeah, natural or Tyrannic Strikes clue your Teferi. Yeah. Good luck. Find a way to answer this. Anywho, moving on to third place, we have Archon. Another list I really want to play. With blue-white control. And we haven't... Eh, Funny thing is, I've been wanting to talk about this. Um, we've got blue-white control with Staff of the Storyteller. So yes. this is a card that's been floating around for about the past month or so. I don't remember exactly when it came well, out. I'm pretty but, sure it, because uh, it's a commander card, I'm pretty sure it came in with the recent, I guess I don't know that for sure, but I know that it started getting talked about right around the same time the new the new Dungeoneer cards came in. With this, There was a recent uh, dump yeah. of commander cards on Demoto, And that's when this card started getting a lot of hype and talk about. What does this card do, Matt? Staff of the Storyteller. So it's a two-man artifact, one in a one white and a colorless. Uh, when it ETBs, create a one-one white spirit creature token with flying. That's not very good. So two mana for a one-one. So we're looking at um, a worse Suntail Hawk. Yep. <laughs> Whenever you create create one or more creature tokens, put a story counter on it. So it's going to come in, create a token, and then that's going to trigger that. So it's going to come in effectively with a story. Uh, yeah. A story token or a story gives, counter. Gives itself one. And then you can pay a white, tap it, remove a story counter, and draw a card. So That's pretty strong. As it sits, it's two mana to draw a card, effectively three mana for a 1-1 one, one flyer in the top card off your deck. Yep. Now, where it gets interesting is when you start combining it with stuff like the Wandering Emperor or Gideon yep. and start making tokens every turn with Planeswalkers. Yeah, and, and then you start considering the fact you can have multiples out because it's not a legendary. Yep. And it gets out of hand pretty quickly from what I understand. So this deck has eight Planeswalkers in it, four Narset, two, three Fairy, um, and then it has a Wandering Emperor and a Gideon. And so I was talking to Matt, a Gideon ally of Zendikar, and I was talking to Matt, and I was like, why the fuck are we running Gideon ally of Zendikar? Isn't like the Wandering Emperor just a better card than that? And in my opinion, it is. We're talking about two two yeah, planeswalkers. The, the vast majority of times, it's much better. You know, they pressure the board, they make creatures, um, but one of them has flash and one doesn't. Uh, but Matt had a great point that Gideon just makes a creature every turn. Zero mana, make a two-two knight uh, token. That pairs really well with Staff of the Storm Storm Teller Storyteller, where it just 
draw a card for one mana every single turn. And that's a very, very broken ability. And that's only that's if you only have one. Yeah. God forbid you have two of them and you're like, I'm going to activate Gideon, make a 2-2, so I'm putting stuff onto the board. Then I'm going to pay two mana, draw two cards. You know what I also just noticed? Doesn't say you can only play this as a sorcery. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course <laughs> so not. So we'll, we'll just... A lot of times, stuff like that's yes, what well, they'll do to dial that ability back a little bit. That's been super common with recent card design, mm-hmm. is they've been trying to pull power back. And the way they do that is by limiting when you can activate abilities. Right. Not on this one. Nope. So you can sit there with your story counters, hold up your mana, and End wait. of your turn, I'm going to draw three cards. Yeah. Pop, pop, pop. Draw th- I mean, like, yeah, pay three, draw three. Yeah. Could you imagine just sitting in a control? Because, like, what's the number one thing control decks struggle with? Um, and over the course of a game, and in my opinion, it's going to be it's fucking having cards. Mm-hmm. It's having enough cards because you're so often you're answering one for one, or your force of willing, or force of negationing. Like you're going down on cards to answer problems. You're answer you're you have to answer every single thing. And the problem is, eventually, you draw too many lands and not enough answers, or you you spin your wheels with cantrips and you never get any more answers. So like the ability to accrue cards to go up on card advantage is the number one thing blue white control needs. Yep. The other like related thing with that is one of the ways you generate card advantage. It almost always happens at sorcery speed. So like traditionally speaking, you're going to be tapping out for either you're paying out the butt. Like if you're going old school with like instant speed card draw, like some of the X spells or yeah. you know something like that, but none of those see any real play anymore. Or you're, what you're doing now is you're tapping out in your main phase to cast something like Jace. Oh my gosh. And yeah, no, thank you. While you still do have to play these planeswalkers, one, the wandering emperor herself has flash. Yep. And two, you can activate this at instant speed, like we said. So yeah. realistically, all you have to do is on turn two tap out, which typically speaking, it's a lot safer to tap out on turn two than it is on turn four. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so like if you're not dead yet. If you're not dead yet, and most of the time, like if you're tapping out for white, like you probably on turn two, not losing to a permanent, probably mm-hmm. it's possible. There are, you know, like dark depths and stuff like that. But obviously if you're playing against a dark depths deck, you know, probably by turn two yeah. and you're not going to do that. You're going to keep up mana for swords. Yep. If you have to, you know, depending on the circumstances. So like you should know when you're in the clear to do that. And then it saves your mana later on. So you can just start generating value. And the one, one is actually relevant. Yep. I mean, Worst case scenario, I mean, it's probably gain, it's probably gain three life. I mean, it, or it, against a Merc Tide, gain six. Yeah. Say what well, in the example you just gave it literally uh, it blocks uh, Merit Lage. Right. It stands in front of uh, stands in front of a Merit Lage. Yeah. Stands in front of Merc Tide. It's not. It's not in a control deck. It's not irrelevant. Right. Punches planeswalkers like because it it's evasive. Like it's that card's good. It's deceptively yeah. good. I um when they. I heard about it and it was first read and I was like, that seems kind of clunky and boring. And then it's kind of like they started talking about the play patterns of it and what you can do, especially if you start stacking them. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that sounds, that's, that's everything I've been looking for. The only thing it doesn't do that I've been desperate for in blue eye control is life gain. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like it's, those are the two resources that get super, super stressed in blue eye control is either the cards in my hand or my life total, or I have to take punches. I yeah, have well, to I take mean, hits. Strictly speaking, that's the game you're playing is how much life can I sacrifice to keep cards? Yeah. In order to like actually play the game, this and it sort of does both. Like I said, it does gain you like it does gain you probably three life. Like it, it does literally everything. It gets you cards back. It, it replaces itself. It will draw you cards the way your deck is built, and it, it blocks at least one thing if need be. Yep. And it also allows you to not <clears throat> have to mess around with Jace, which yeah, as we've talked about, like 
Jace is a very powerful card. In general, I think you and I both agree that the Wandering Emperor, on average, is better. At, like, at minimum, it's better at closing out games. And the Wandering Emperor... But the Wandering Emperor doesn't generate cards in the same way. It gets you card advantage in the strictest sense because you're yeah. generating tokens and whatnot. Or, like, killing their uh, creatures and whatnot. But, like, Jace has raw card advantage of drawing yeah, cards just, and giving you selection. You're just drawing cards a turn. Staff of the Storyteller kind of turns the Wandering Emperor into a pseudo-Jace. Yeah. And Gideon get into a pseudo-Jace. Make a token, draw a card. While still allowing them to be a much better actual threat yeah. to close the game out. Yeah, could so. you imagine? And it's obviously two cards versus one. But, like, could you imagine if Jace said, you know, fucking brainstorm, make a 1-1? One, one? Right. <laughs> yep. If you were... All, if you were if it protected itself while doing it, if you could, yeah, Wandering Ember, make a 2-2 two, two to protect it and draw a card while you're doing well, it. Well, again, you just touched on something. The 1-1 one, one can frequently be used to protect your Planeswalker the turn it comes down. Yeah. A, a really good card. I I really like the look of this, and I would really like to play this deck. Yeah, that deck looks fun. And it's, uh, again, relatively cheap. It's half the cost of Elves. So Well, it only runs... Uh, two tundra and a volcanic island, yep. which I probably wouldn't even run the volcanic island. I'd probably just learn, run it, and because you're only running the volcanic island for a few cards in the side for meltdown, pyroblast, uh, ruination, like that's it. Like, yeah, I would rather I would just run more of a blue white control sideboard. And uh, you don't you know, you know what card I want to play with Star- staff of storyteller? You know what card that I love and just fits oh, with yeah, that monastery card? Monastery mentor, so fucking good. <laughs> Brainstorm, make a 1-1, draw a card. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, I think Monastery Mentor probably overdoes it. Like, oh, yeah, so. Because, well, like, like, you're going to make a bunch of tokens, but you're only going to get, like, you can only draw so many cards. Uh, yeah, this game is going <laughs> to end one like way or the other. fucking tokens on this thing, and you'll draw two cards off so of it. <laughs> we have to find some way to take advantage of charge tokens now. Is it charge tokens? Story tokens. Story, story counters. counters. counters, counters yeah, counters. so we have to find some way to take advantage of these story counters now, because I'm going to make a fuck ton of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I would love to play this deck, and instead of having the red stuff in the sideboard, throw in like two or three Monastery Mentors and have and dedicate some sideboard space to a creature-based package, too. And that's a very common juke for Blue Way Control is when the control package just isn't a good option, swap into a Monastery Mentor and Snapcaster package and have some creatures and be more on the board and be more aggressive, which still plays really well with Staff of the Storyteller. Yeah. So congratulations, Archon. Yeah. Um, it's a cool deck. It's a cool card. It's a really cool deck. Did you see in the side? Two Humility. I did. Yep. Absolutely. I did. <laughs> yep. What an amazing card for this deck. Oh, it's fantastic. Like, not only, like, so obviously in your main, you don't even need the, uh, uh, does it have a way to win without, let me look here before I say something stupid. So strictly speaking, you do still need creatures to win because this doesn't have a, non, at least that I'm seeing, doesn't have a non-creature way to win. There's no like weird combo or anything like that, but Bringing everyone else's creatures down yep. to the level of your tokens as well is fantastic, in my opinion. Yep. <laughs> Makes well, them worth a lot more. And so think about a situation where if you can get the game locked under humility, where we're both making tokens back to back, like, boy, the game gets blown pretty wide open by a single Gideon minus four. Mm-hmm. Because sure you does. have one ones, I have two twos. Right. This game's fucking over. Yeah, that's true. Like, and again, that's the game's been ground to a halt. We're just going back and forth. No one has creatures, or we both have one ones. They don't fucking do anything. I've got three one ones. You've got three one ones. Mine are two twos. Good luck. Um, also, how does that work with Gideon? That's a layers question. We could Google it. Someone who's listening will know. I don't know. Someone off the top of my get head. on the Reddit thread and tell me um, what 
how Gideon Ally of Zendikar, when it becomes a planeswalker, interacts with Gideon. Until the end of turn, becomes a 5-5 human soldier ally creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker, prevent all damage that would be dealt to him. The way I think it would work is he becomes a 1-1 that is still a planeswalker. But does he lose the until end of turn part? Don't look it up. I want I want I want a listener to tell us. Okay. So, so someone figure it out. Next up, eight cast. Once it loads. <laughs> and Matt's on a very slow old laptop because he, he doesn't have a laptop. Nope. So I, I acquired an old laptop and gifted it to the podcast. Funny thing is, laptops have become like, in my opinion, like more and more irrelevant. Like the fact of the matter is smartphones have gotten to the point that like laptops are like really only important. I mean, it, we're doing something they're useful for, but like... The vast majority of laptop use I can do with my phone. I think being productive on the go still requires a laptop. Or being productive and efficient. Because you can get a keyboard for your phone. You can do all stuff on your phone. But to be productive and efficient on the go, I think you still have a laptop. And I think there's still a decent number of people that are on the go needing to be productive. Well, But for the 99% of people... That's what I mean. Like the The majority of casual laptop users, in my opinion, have no real need for it. Like there's gamers. Sure. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you can play games on your phone, but it's not the same. Nope, not and the same. For the most part, you can't play the same games. Yep. And then there's people who are doing work. Yeah. I don't do either of those on the go. Yeah. And hence, I don't need a laptop. And for most people that want to consume content on their lap, either their phone is okay or a tablets tablet, are a better option. Yeah. A tablet's a better option than a phone for, or than a than a laptop. A lot of the times. Yeah, they're just for cheaper. consuming content. They're cheaper. It's all screen. Yep. The vast majority of the fact of the matter is the vast majority of people use their they use their computers as effectively Facebook machines. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, it's and a, that's what phones are now. You ever heard of a Chromebook? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's the it's like a it's like a two hundred dollar laptop because all it does is run Facebook and Chrome and that's all it needs to do. Yep. So yeah, I don't own a laptop. I never actually have. My wife's had a couple. I've, I've never almost, had one. Almost always had a laptop. I've uh I just always had a place for a computer and or a Game Boy. <laughs> That's that's how I game on the go is Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced. <laughs> Whatever Nintendo's newest hotness uh, is. PSP and then a PlayStation Vita. Now Switch. <laughs> yeah, now a Switch. <laughs> so let's wrap this shit up. <clears throat> yep. So we've got eight cast. Uh let's look through this list. Emery, Psy, Kappa Cannoneer, Thought Monitor, Force Will, Thought Cast, Chalice, Petal, Bobble, Opal, Bobble. There's a saga package. So uh-huh. Main looks pretty much identical. To the uh, standard lists that we're used to, the stock lists. No, it, it, this so is legacy, not standard. Yeah. Oh, God. Imagine if this deck was legal and standard, <laughs> but nothing <laughs> else changed. <laughs> yeah. It's just, they just printed this deck into the next standard set. Yep. What well, was one of those pre-cons that you could play if it, yeah. you kept the 75 the, the, the exact same? <laughs> it's a stone blade rule. Yep. Uh, sideboard, Karakas. I'm trying to think, would this be good? Hmm. Trying to think, this would be good. What would be good? Like chalice would be terrible. Petal would be good. Bobble would be okay. Opal would be good. Oh, the I think the deck it's as a whole, the deck itself would shit on basically any non-legacy format. Like it, I mean, it does insanely powerful stuff very quickly, like very quickly, and has force of will to back it up that like no other f- format even has. Yeah, the force of wills would be a serious thing, but like. I mean, fuck, even playing Urza's... I mean, you're right, Chalice of the Void and Standard a lot is kind of dead. A lot of these artifacts aren't that great. Um, well, no, well, I mean, the artifacts are in there. The, the 
So Chalice is kind of dead, but mm-hmm. Petal, Bobble, Opal, Bobble are all there just to draw cards and produce mana. The Spell Bomb is a bounce thing, but these are one ofs just to grab with Urza Saga. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you're going to end up grabbing Shadow Spear to make your token huge. Yeah, your to- the tokens off Urza Saga would be hard to answer. The creatures are, except for Capacania, are easy to answer, but Capacania is hard to resolve if you res- if you answer the first couple creatures. Thought Monitor is pretty hard to resolve if you answer the first couple creatures. But the fact of the matter is, I think the deck is just too fast. Because, like, all that, everything you just said is also true in Legacy. And it's successful. It's one of the best decks in Legacy. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you have the best answers. Like, every card that's legal in Standard is legal in Legacy. And it's still very good. Now, that's not to say that, like, every deck is going to port one-to-one to every format or anything. Mm-hmm. But I think this, to me, I think this is one of those decks where it's like, it's this isn't built to beat a meta in the same way that like a control deck is. Yeah, because control decks don't port very well a lot of times to like like my control deck doesn't really port that well to maybe what's the, like like the Pioneer where like because the game in Pioneer gets to a point where like the deck is planning on most decks in Pioneer plan on casting game winning four drops five turns in a row. And right. I can't always answer every single one of them. Correct. Whereas this is just doing something broken. Yeah. I think the the more aggressive decks are just going to do so, relatively better in the old and the newer formats. I want everyone listening to know that I don't think this deck would be bad in standard. What yeah. I'm trying to do in my mind is think how few cards I can remove and have this be just okay in standard. And gotcha. I don't, it's not like 40. That's what I'm getting at. It's like, it's not like I don't need to cut 30 cards out of this deck and for it to be playable, for it to be an okay deck in standard. I'm trying to think of how few I can cut. Yeah. Because I'm like, because like Emery, super, Emery and Psy get answered by the best removal spells in the format, which is cut down and go for the throat. Which everybody's fucking running. It's like right now, right now your best decks in standard are like Grixis and Burn, mm-hmm. which Burn can't fucking beat us, I don't think. But like Grixis could probably like those creatures in here. Then Capacan is really hard to resolve. Th- the deck result revolves around getting a real wide, um, a real um, a wide amount of artifacts, which it could do. But one of the premier removal spells right now in standard is Brotherhood's End, which is one red red destroy all artifacts, CMC yep. two or less. There, what I'm saying is, guys, there are tools. Oh, yeah. There are tools to play against this deck of standard. The answer is not 60. No, you know no, no. I think I the big one to me would be you'd have to remove Force Will. Force Will can't be there. basically anything you just said just gets... because Horses, of the sp- Horses Urza Saga probably have to go. Yeah, because of the speed of the deck. So, like, yeah, you can answer Emery with Go for the Throat, but Emery's going to come down and then generate a bunch of tokens immediately. And it's going to probably come well, you down mean, you mean on... Psy. Sorry. Either... Yeah, Psy, Emery. What, yeah, Psy. He's going to come down on turn two, mm-hmm. generate a bunch of tokens... Not if I then, cut him down. And then get Force of Will. Like, that's what I mean. Like... Yeah. And then now you're, you're like, okay, well, now it's turn two. I have a Psy, four Thopter tokens, and yeah. next turn I'm about to draw three cards because they were all so, bobbles. <laughs> So one of the things I'm getting at is in Legacy, one of the strengths this deck has in Legacy is there are some decks that just don't run removal yep. because they're just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And you get to you get to try and leverage powerful three drops when your, your deck doesn't run removal. In Standard and Pioneer, for example, there are no, no decks, decks that don't run removal yeah. except for decks that are also trying to do crazy broken things. Obviously, if you put this deck up against any type of fast, non-interactive deck in any other format, they're fucked. But like in in Pioneer, uh, that's in not modern, even necessarily, you could probably put the eight cast up against a lot of modern combo combo decks, and it'd probably be a lot closer, closer to a yeah. race. Yeah, 
And so like I'm saying, like in modern, in standard, and in pioneer, like everyone's running a fuck ton of removal. Most decks are running a fuck ton of removal. And like a fuck ton of removal would probably do okay against this deck. Yeah. And in modern, I mean, you do still like the fact of the matter is a lot of this what a deck, dumb argument we're having. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just a way to analyze a deck. A lot of a lot of the a lot of this deck is legal in modern. Mm-hmm. Not saying the whole thing, obviously, and not even some of the key cards, but there there definitely is an analog to this deck in modern, and it's not really what you would consider even like a competitive deck. Like every now and then at top 32s, I don't even, I can't remember the last time it's... Yeah, once in a while you'll see Affinity or an Affinity style deck pop in. Obviously, if it had Mox Opal back, that'd be a huge addition back into the deck. Um, if I got to have Kappa Cannoneer as a top out, that'd be a hu- uh, and Thought Monitor being able to run legit eight cast in Modern would be huge additions. It does have Thought Monitor. Oh, okay. duh, yeah, yeah, it does. Because Thought um, Monitor is Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons too. That's not. That's but not you know what it EDH doesn't card. have? Seed of Sign on. Yeah, like, it doesn't get. It, it doesn't, doesn't get, get the artifact land. Yeah, that produces color. The, it doesn't get good, ancient tone. Ancient a good tone. artifact yeah. land. It, yeah, it doesn't have. It doesn't have good fast mana. Yeah, and this is one of those decks obviously that, that thrives on fast mana and doesn't have good fast mana. Yeah. It does. It does get legit eight casts though. But yeah, I mean, just to back your point up a little bit, you can do the exact same thing with elves where again, almost all of legacy elves is modern elves, except for three cards. I mean, yeah. there's more than three to be exact, but there's three key ones. Yeah. Guy's cradle glimpse of nature and natural order. You can take three key. You can take three cards out of legacy elves mm-hmm. and it sucks. It's way like, worse. It's unplayable in modern, and it's basically unplayable in pioneer. <laughs> like that's how close it is. Yep. So, yeah. Any any given legacy deck might only be between two and four cards away from being an okay modern deck. Yeah, and the flip side is true as well, where like you look at the difference between blue red, what is what everyone calls blue red Merktide because yeah. Delver isn't played in it, and blue red Delver. And the the threats are the same. In fact, modern actually has a better threat because yeah, it gets, gets to play Ragavan still. Yep. But it doesn't have quite as good of instants and sorcery, so it's running like spells you actually have to pay mana yeah, for, like, like Archmage's Charm and Counter Spell. And it doesn't have Brainstorm and Ponder, so it's just like a couple cards yeah. one way or the other. And you're like these decks aren't that far away. Yeah. Now the leap from Legacy Legacy to Standard is quite a bit bigger than big, from it's Legacy a very big to Modern. Leap. It's a very big leap. So, but yeah, you're not you. In principle, you're not wrong as far as like, you know, it's legacy decks are Jenga towers. And mm-hmm. if you start pulling out a couple pieces and the deck just falls apart, yeah. especially with something like this, where again, it, it, basically synergy decks, mm-hmm. this is a synergy deck. It's going to play oddly enough, quite a bit like elves as far as like what's important. There's a, yep. it's got it, these, there's a reason meltdown just hoses these decks yep. is because it has to go wide. And if it's not going wide, it's not winning. Yep. So anywho. That's how you throw out 10 minutes of content about a deck that hasn't changed since its yep. inception. There you well, go. I shouldn't say since its inception. But it hasn't changed much. Hasn't changed much. We we cut out that uh um the echo the echo package. The echo package and Yep. Yeah, with Lion's Eye Diamond and now the deck is pretty solid. Next up, we've got initiative. So this is red white initiative. Yep. And it looks pretty similar. Obviously, it's missing a key card uh to the previous red white initiative decks yeah uh basically we just got the uh um we, we have the all, we only have four mana and dungeoneer cards Ca- right. uh caves of chaos adventure I wish that had a different name yeah uh but basically they've replaced the three mana initiative guy with simeon spirit guide like the yep. rest of it looks just more ramp it's we've got most of the same hate bears so you've got archon of ameria uh anointed peacekeeper elite spellbinder 
Um, then we got the Spirit Guide, the yep. Caves of Chaos Adventure, Seasoned Engineer, and Solitude. All that's pretty much the same. I mean, there were decks that like tweaked with the numbers, but that kind of core group of cards yeah. was there. Chalice, we're still on that. Makes sense. Chrome Mox, again, loads of pedal, same thing. Touch Spirit Realm. Like, all that's the same. What a phenomenal card, Touch of Spirit Realm. It's a very well-designed card. Like, like a just an, a bad removal spell in Legacy, but a great protection spell slash take the dungeon back spell. Mm-hmm. Take the initiative back spell. Like, or just double up on initiative this turn. Yep, that's again, that's I think we talked about this when the deck first popped up, but I just love this kind of design. Yeah, I really Niche do too. roles where it's just like, you know, you look at and don't forget, uncounterable. Yep. Like the three mana jail effect is pretty counterable, but the two one and a white channel is uncounterable. Yeah. Effectively. You can stifle it. Yeah. Not a whole lot of people play stifle anymore. Yeah. So as long as you're not playing against Dreadnought, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be amazing. Which you can't you can't touch it on their dreadnought and fuck and they them. Stifle it. <laughs> they got yeah, double, double stifle. So that you go they go dreadnought stifle, stifle. and you're like ha flicker. <laughs> stifle. Stifle. <laughs> you fell for my trap. I ran two bad cards. Yeah, didn't you know I'm still running Vapor Snag? <laughs> fuck that card. Uh, you were so sure that was just standard. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm watching the meta. That's not. But it was very good then. It wasn't that far behind. No, no, but it wasn't. It, I chose to not play around Vapor Snag on purpose. And I had one. And you, <laughs> you were immediately punished. <laughs> and I was immediately punished. <laughs> well, but you got to play make them have it. Yep. Uh, sideboard. Let's see if there's anything new. Fucking one of two. What a bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like we talked about when you're, I think at the time I was still running two preordains too. So it was like 10 cantrips. Of course, I'm going to have a couple one ups in there. Just churn through the deck. <laughs> uh, this was a while ago. I, I haven't played broken, stupid blue red Delver. So this was, what? yeah, yeah, this was, I think I was running you're still the on whale. Sprite Dragon. Yeah. Well, I think I had that, uh, the whale because it was after, um, Dreadhorde Arcanist got banned. But no, didn't Dreadhorde Arc? No, I thought Dreadhorde got banned when Elko got banned. And I was playing Will Gorger to play Elko on the side. Was it? Yeah, I think it was before that. Gotcha. But you were, you might have been on um, Dreadhorde Arcanist, but, or, you, or you might not have yet. I know for sure I was playing Sprite Dragon. But yeah, you were on Sprite Dragon. I think you had Sprite Dragon in the Dreadhorde package in the spot because you cared more about ending the game quickly than accruing value in Delver. Yeah. Which is the way Blue Red should be. Not a bad argument. Anywho. Finish this up. I'm so tired of talking about legacy. Right. That's not true. But it is getting late, and I do. Uh, I was hoping to keep this episode a smidgen shorter. Next up, we've got pseudo initiative. Like, yeah, weird mono white initiative with only four like, initiative creatures. Yeah. To me, this is like we want to play death and taxes. We want to play initiative. Mush them decide. together. Yeah. Which, to be fair, the white initiative decks were kind of that way, anyways. Uh huh. But uh, Perez here decided. And then this is not throwing shade or anything, but just talking about the deck. Didn't replace uh, the banned initiative card that I can't think of the name of. They lit- with Watsi- Under City something. Not Under City. Watsi literally banned it from my brain. I yeah. Can't, I can't even think. Whatever the, whatever yeah. the three mana initiative creature yeah, was. Yeah, stupid brain fart. But the three mana one, he didn't replace it with like the green one or nope. the red one. He we just, just has- have four seasoned Dungeoneers. Yep. Four Chancellor of the Annex to protect himself. Yeah, four Chancellor of the Annex. Couple Timeless Dragons. Two Timeless Dragons. Esper Sentinel and Thalia. Yep. And a shitty Lauren of the Third Path. Yeah. So for people that don't know what this card does, because you probably don't because it's bad, two and a white for a 2-1 Vigilance, Legendary Creature, Human Artificer. 
When Lauren of the Third Path enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment, and then you can tap it. You and target opponent each draw a card. Card sucks. I would... This is what I would love to know. If someone can explain to us why this sees as much... Because the the previous deck had two on the sideboard as well. Like, the card is, according to the data, is real. Because it's in these decks everywhere. I would love to know why... Yeah, what's the answer? Like, what's the answer? What makes it better than just another... Disenchant. Yeah. What makes it better than disenchant? Now, I, I can see it being better than exactly disenchant because like it, it is a body with vigilance it does block it messes around with initiative stuff like that like i can see the argument for reclamation sage versus disenchant mm-hmm. but like this card just doesn't there's something about it that i feel like i'm not getting yeah and maybe maybe the the drawing a card just isn't that big of a deal because you get to do it when you want i don't like i could see that in certain matchups mattering like i don't really give a fuck if you draw a card i guess but, but like, like <clears throat> i don't know seems risky after that though doesn't seem like there's much going on here yeah it's this is a retrofitter foundry is like a long game strategy yep which also by the way amazing but card again, that works with uh no chalice of the void mm-hmm. no chalices so, like, this deck this is kind of a weird build of this so i'm kind of curious but yeah this would go really well with that story thing just cranking yeah. out tokens um sideboard and let's take a look at that See if there's anything exciting in it. One shining shoal. Five mana Elish Norn. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing crazy. So there is okay, so there is a shining shoal in here. Like, there's only one though. The reason you've seen Chancellor of the Annex and Modern a bunch is because the Shining Shoal decks have become really popular. And you know, Shining Shoal with Chancellor is pretty fucking good. Yeah. So like I was kind of expecting to see Shining Shoal in the main. Only seeing one of the sideboards. So weird. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't, like it. Norn. I don't like it. Let's move on. We got two more. One of them's quick. One of them's they're both quick. <laughs> Anywho, next we've got oops all spells. Yeah, something we haven't seen Man. in a really long time. Yeah, especially in the top eight. Like oops all spells showing up and putting in fucking work. Like this is one of those. This reminds like this feels like dredge to me, where it's so easy to stop oops all spells. It takes so little, but sometimes when you no one's ready, needle. when no one's ready for it. Four Pact of Negation and four Thoughtseize is all you need mm-hmm. to force your combo through and mill your library and dread return a... Thoughts uh, Oracle. Thoughts Oracle. Yep. The the addition of the, uh, the flip lands, that was one of the things I was kind of happy about. Like, I don't really like the... The particular cards didn't turn out to be that big of a deal. I don't yeah. like power creeping lands. Yeah, the premise of... The premise of having lands and spells on the same yeah. card I don't like. Or you flooding out? Don't worry, your man is now spell. But I do like the way they're used in this. Yeah. Where again, we're going to take a niche deck and just give it a couple good cards to like yeah, some make really it good cards. Yeah. I mean, it made the deck so much better, infinitely better to have access to legitimate mana that is just a spell. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was excited when that when like those started to work in, which it was almost immediate. Like all the oops, all spell guys were like, oh. Yeah, that was Christmas. Yeah. So that being said, as with some of the things, I don't know enough about. Um, I don't know enough about oops all spells to dissect an oops all spells deck. I did just notice something. Undercity Informer. What a what a what an interesting foreshadowing card. Is that because it's the Undercity? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. You venture into the Undercity with initiative. Yep. It literally has the Undercity in In it. it. 
<clears throat> and he doesn't he's, he was he was way too early for initiative <laughs> and i was gonna say yeah it has nothing to do with it nope not even remotely not even tangentially speaking of initiative oh well there's a, i didn't realize there was a third one yeah, yeah there's another initiative did bring it home pretty good this week <clears throat> well it didn't even it wasn't didn't show in, up it, didn't show up in the in the showcase or the the challenge for last week yeah so it was totally absent i was kind of curious about that but eh, i I think they have to pick their decks ahead of time, though. Oh, maybe. So, I, there, I know there is at least something where they have to do that, because I've seen posts on Reddit. Again, I know this is kind of our job, but, like, I don't pay attention to the actual tournament structure of how these yeah. run, because I don't play in them. Yep. So, like, but I'm pretty sure I've seen people post their decks ahead of time. Like, there's been posts of, like, hey, here's what these guys <laughs> are playing, because they have to register them. Yeah. Um. You see this guy's name? <laughs> His name is Keep Any That's Seven versus You. Awesome, but yeah, with this deck, then you can keep most of them. You can keep most. You're not gonna have to mulligan all that much. Yep. Just another uh, red white uh, yeah, initiative. Another deck. red white initiative. Um, most the same. I'm like, curious as to why. I'm curious as to why people are playing red white as opposed to red green. And it's got to obviously people think the total the totality of the cards is better. The green creature seems better than Season Dungeoneer. Um, Season Dungeoneer is a faster clock, I think. I think the other one's like a 2-4 or something. This one's a 5-3. That quickly becomes like a 7-5 or something. And these like like these decks are all about getting you dead quick. Same thing. He's a 3-4. Same. He's the same clock. No, he's not. Under a Mountain Dungeoneer. Fi- a 5-3 versus a 3-4? Season Dungeoneer versus Under Mountain Adventure. They're both 3-4s. Oh, no, I'm talking about Caves of Chaos no, Adventure. No, no. Because the, the other one was running, wasn't it white green? No, they were green red. Oh, because remember they had the Elvish spirit guides and the Simeon spirit guides. I thought they were. I thought they were white green. I thought they were uh, Selesnia. Yeah. Oh, then you're right. Then so, well, that's what I mean though. Is so clearly as a whole, it seems like the at least in this tournament, people are on white. They're so betting so, okay. on so like I, the totality I would, of the cards. I would argue this one is still a better clock. Because you, it's very, very difficult to chump block this one. So three, four, same, same, same power toughness. But whenever you attack, target attacking cleric, rogue, warrior, or wizard gains protection from creatures until the end of turn. Yes, yeah. don't get me wrong. He by himself is probably a better clock if that's all you have. But the other dude makes a million fucking mana, and that's what kind of what we were talking about. Is like. So what's so that's I, that's the trade off. Get them like, dead or make a bunch of mana and go over the it's top. It's basically more of a snowball strategy versus a direct like just go to the face. Like like hyper aggro. And I don't know. We we saw the the red green decks kind of as a flash in good. the pan. They did well. Then they dropped off for a week. That to and me now feels we're back like, at red white. That feels like a gameplay preference decision. Yeah. What kind of a game or, do you in you a wanna, meta you wanna, preference? Well, yeah. As well. well yeah. But I would make that decision based on well, it depends on if you just care about winning. But like, yeah, what kind of what kind of deck do you want to play today? Do you want to play a deck that's going to snowball over the top, or just hopefully beat him to death in four turns? White does give you a lot of answers as well. And to be fair, it could be that the the extra mana because with those decks you had the both of the guides, so you had eight. So you, I think we said they were effectively running twelve lotus petals, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that so. Could just be too much to where it's like we don't need these, and then maybe. You know what I mean? It could just be a case of like making so much mana that like, yeah, I can make 12 mana or, you know, I can build up a huge amount of mana, but I only need it's yeah. better for me to just be efficient and get it the just, exact amount. Yeah, it 
the the over the top there's something to spend it on yeah and the flip side is you with white you get to run a bunch of effectively answers you're not nearly as aggressive yeah other than again the one the no I think the, you're I think you're I think you're similarly aggressive in, in terms of you're looking at your dungeoneer side of the package I mean as as a whole you're not as aggressive because you're not going to be since you don't have as many resources you're not going to be committing as much stuff to the board like you're not going to be spending in as, as much mana playing dudes that's true because those other cards those the the red green decks did have other creatures as well mm-hmm. but they were a little on average probably a little more aggressive you were probably playing to the board a little bit more just because you have more resources but you don't interact hardly at all like as opposed to peacekeepers i, I feel like you get to be more aggressive when one of your creatures says it's unblockable well don't get me wrong that's true but one one creature like I get that. It doesn't hit barbarians, right? I don't know. Cleric, rogue, warrior, or wizard. So it only hits itself. Doesn't hit doesn't hit the other one. Does it hit it hits spellbinder and peacekeeper. If that ever fucking matters. Yeah, you could, could make them unblockable. That's largely irrelevant. It almost certainly is. But never mind. I was gonna look it up. I wanted to this is an argument that I would love to have, but without having the other list in front of me. Like, yeah, and finding it's, it's going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, we'll have to find we'll a week live. We'll have to find a week where they uh, they both top eight or top sixteen, and we'll yeah. bounce them off each other. But like, I don't know the the feeling I get just from looking at this list is it's a it's not quite as see going after it. But I could be wrong. Well, it's to me it's we're t- the the fundamental. Where I, where I fundamentally disagree with your argument is I don't I don't consider a deck aggress a deck that goes over the top aggressive I don't cons- like that's though I don't think those mesh with me like the deck me, that so like the, ha- if if your goal is to get to six or seven or ten mana in a turn that's that's you're over the top I'm gonna outspend my opponent and go crazy that's not an aggro deck to me I to me I think the what we're the distinction we're making here is is burn or stompy more aggressive. Because you mean like burner prowess? No, I mean burner stompy. Like stompy wants to generate mana quickly, get a yeah. use, get a quick mana advantage, and attack every and turn. then attack every turn with bigger dudes. Whereas burn <clears throat> wants to be aggressive and try to go under. You know what I mean? But they're both still very aggressive decks. I I think, but in Green my mind, has like a turn or two where it's not going to attack. But but when it starts attacking. It's going to start hitting harder, typically speaking. I think in my mind, aggressive inherently means creatures. So I don't think I would call I don't know how I feel about that. Do I call do I call burn an aggressive deck? Well, burn, like it meets the criteria of trying to end the game quickly. It's all about raw damage, but it's not a, it's not attacking. It's just it's slinging spells. It's we're talking about legacy burn or whatever. It's lightning bolt, you know. Yeah, uh, it does have a couple creatures. They typically have like Swiss Spear and Goblin, Goblin Guide. Guide or something. But yeah, like Prowess. Like Prowess is obviously an aggressive deck. Like Prowess is about playing a bunch of creatures and attacking as much as possible every turn. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about burn. And to be fair, you, the the point stands the like to me it's it's whether or not you're yeah. willing to commit a little bit more mana, start a turn later to have mm-hmm. bigger better threats. Bigger better threats. Yeah, the top end is definitely cuz like you're going to now whether or not that's relevant with these initiative creatures who knows. I feel but, like that I feel like that deck should run Tyrannix Rex. I feel like every deck should run Tyrannic <laughs> if, you have some, if, you have, if you have a creature that says potentially tap for like what six green, mm-hmm. maybe you should run Tyrannic Rex. But like a good example of that is like Elves is a very aggressive deck, but it's a snowball deck. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't know. I maintain Elves is 
Well, we talked about because it it's, it's a combo deck. It's a combo deck, but combos. But it, but it also it does have, it is like it is an aggro deck with a. It's a combo deck with an aggro side plan, and it's also tries to do it very quickly too. So a lot of these things, it's a lot of uh, you know, just pen, panditry mm-hmm. basically. Like we're gonna argue over definitions and whatnot, but like I imagine the difference between aggressiveness between red and green and red and white is probably splitting hairs anyways. They're yeah. probably both very, very they're, fast. As far as powerful. legacy is concerned, yeah. yeah, they're super aggressive. Another another deck that'd be funny to see in standard. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. No, no, no. There's no competing. I don't think there's any competing with that. I don't think there's... No, I don't think standard is going to have a good fight against this deck. Nope. <laughs> Turns I don't, out. I don't think so. Ancient City of Traders are pretty good. Yeah, I don't think... There's there's a lot more cards that need removed from this deck to make it okay in standard. Well, than, to be, uh, I would actually disagree. Ancient Tomb and City of Traders would pretty much do it. <laughs> I guess you took, if you just took the fast man out, the fast man out. If you out, just made them play four drops, sucks. Yep. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know whether or not it sucks. I don't know, but it's definitely. I mean, if, if they're not slamming four drops on turn one, yeah, then yeah, you're right. But yeah, slamming a, turn, a four drop on turn one in standard's gonna. <laughs> So I'm going to play things. Season Dungeon here. Uh, Triumph. <laughs> tapped, pass. pass. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take six. And I search for a card. Yeah, and I put, a, I, put a, I, I hit my second land drop. Oh, fuck. Poor standard players. Anywho. Oh, um. That's it. Let's yeah. wrap up this metagame. One meta guy's game. blessing in the side. I, I, it popped up as uh, Naya, and I was like, where was the green? Oh. Yeah, one nice, uh, guy's blessing. So... Gotta have something to beat Painter. Yeah, that's about it. That's our top eight uh, metagame summary. So this should make just about everyone except Delver players happy. <laughs> the other category is 40% of yeah. this metagame summary. And there's a lot of weird stuff going on in this top eight, especially. Yeah, there's a couple of them that are like, uh, like I think one of them is like elves, but it's just a slightly different build. Yeah. So it didn't get categorized right. Um, although I do want to mention, so it was a testacular. It's the only reason I brought it up that uh, Glissa Sunslayer card that I had talked about. Yeah, that card's good. Called it another one. Now, yeah. whether or not this sees has legs long term, it's really good in Pioneer. But in my yeah, opinion. that card's fantastic. Um, and one is one of my favorite cards that I saw out of the spoilers for that. Yep. So only a dollar too. Uh, yeah, it's probably I should probably pick one up for EDH. It's a good card for my uh, elf deck. Anywho, um. So other, we're not even going to go through them. Thirteen yeah. Yeah. uncategorized decks. Forty and a half percent. Forty point five. Forty point six. The next one is eight cast. Twelve and a half percent with yep. four. Then elves with three, and then actually elves should be tied with eight cast because of testacular. Yeah, had a fourth. So um, we're looking around twelve and a half percent on both. Yep. Painter with two. Then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten more one ofs. That's spectacular. Like, if this was the permanent meta, where it was just like churning and that anything was playable, you would not have very much difficulty yeah, getting con- people to sign up for this. Containment construct is a fucking tier one deck. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid fucking card. <sighs> Jealous. <laughs> You're just mad because your two mana removal spell didn't see any play, and you owe me a collector's pack. <laughs> uh, most played card. That split second though. This so good. This is the only thing that's. This is one of those times where I'll just go. I'll take it. I'm just going to take the win. 
It's a little, it's still a little frustrating, but it's not surprising. Force of Will is still in 53% of decks. Brainstorm's down to 41%. That's not bad. No, that's not bad. Then you got Lotus Petal, Ponder, and Leyline of the Void. So, like, we're even seeing a tiny bit of shakeup in the most played cards. Yep. Uh, Swords, Mishra's Bobble, Mox Opal, Chalice of the Void, and Fairy Macabre, as the we don't normally do all 10. But, like, st- starting to see a little bit of shakeup there. Legacy's changing. For the better so far. Yeah. That's like, this to me is probably the best challenge that we've seen since we started the podcast. And I don't think Me- we've from seen a metagame point of view. I don't think we've seen anything from March of Machines that's going to be like crazy good for Blue Red Delver. I don't think we've seen anything from so far from Lord of the Rings that's going to be crazy good for Delver. So, like, might have a, a section of time where Delver isn't just above and beyond the best deck in the format. Well, and again, it doesn't look like there's anything. Like, yeah, this this week, 8-cast showed up really well. Yep. But we all know Affinity, I, I know I mean, it's not technically fairness, Affinity, it's Affinity deck. They yeah. have an Achilles heel. Um, What's-his-face did did really well today. The yeah, Dun- and it, Dungeoneer did really good. Yeah. Initiative did really good this it, week, too. And it is at least three of the... Two, un- two and a half. <laughs> yeah, two and a half of the uncategorized decks. I guess we can see. So, s- perfect. Seasoned Dungeoneer, 16%. That's yep. not the end of the world. That's not that big a deal. So fantastic. Like, yeah, I great. Love it. Uh, love top, it. Love it. Top creatures, very macabre. Solitude, Emery, Thought Monitor, Simeon Spirit Guide. Uh, and then Allosaur Shepherds in seventh. So, oh, no shit. 12%. Like we said, because there's that fourth oh, yeah. deck. Uh, top spells, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Lotus Petal, Ponder, Leyline of the Void. So, yeah, I've got literally nothing bad to say. And fucking ninjas in top 32, dude. I saw that. Like, we've got ninjas back. Death and Taxes is back. Stifle Knots back again. We've got <laughs> Painter, Elves. Like, you can currently, at least according to this challenge, play whatever the hell you want in Legacy. So go play Legacy. Pretty sweet. Fantastic news. So that's it. Let's bump over to Modern. Probably be a little shorter this week in the Modern because there's not a ton of super interesting going on. But we will start in first place with O. Daniel Akos. With Mark Tide Regent, that deck we were talking about hey. is, uh, you know, that legacy deck that's that f- three or four cards away from a legacy deck. And <laughs> it's and what's interesting is like, you know, it, go back, go back two months. It's three or four cards away from what Delver was because it still has expressive iteration. Um, and and it's it's an OK deck in modern. It's it's a very prevalent deck. It's a very popular deck, but no one's complaining about it shitting all over modern. Yeah, like and, it lost a couple of its best cards, and it's an okay deck in modern. And uh, Wizards, if I remember correctly, has come out and said it didn't have a like a bannable win rate. Yeah, so the last like because they mentioned it. I don't think it was the last time, but the time before that, I could be about wrong it. there. Yeah. So, uh, is it Murktide? <clears throat> which oddly enough is only a thousand dollar deck in modern. It turns out, uh, anywhere between. F- three and five dual lands is pretty expensive. Jacks the price up really, really fast. Even though Spire Bluff Canals are like $17 a piece or whatever. I've been looking at getting into a... Because uh, I kind of want to build... The next deck I kind of want to build for Pioneer was a Monastery Mentor deck, but an Is It? Because when I was building my Esper one, there was actually a lot of uh, testing for an Is It deck that did pretty good. And it was... It was it revolved around like Monastery Mentor and then like Opt Consider, all the one mana stuff. Just abusing it as much as possible. Not removing a bunch of stuff. Just getting as many tokens as possible. You mean Azorius? Blue-white? You said Is It? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, it was Azorius, I okay, think. Just 
Sorry, yeah, Azorius. No, it, was either, it was either Azorius or maybe it was Jeskai. <clears throat> yes. It could have been Jeskai. Gotcha. But it was the wrong color combination for me, and I didn't have the right lands. And so I've been looking at picking up like Spire Bluff Canals to try and build towards. Um, I, I I think it was Jeskai. It'd have to be Jeskai. Something in my brain really tells me I needed blue red. Wouldn't make sense, like if you're running a, a little bit of burn or whatever. Because yeah, you got to that was your removal suite was the burn cards. Yeah. But I was looking at picking up canals, and they're annoyingly expensive. <laughs> I want those to get. I don't think they got reprinted in one though. So hopefully they'll get reprinted in like March or so, whichever one's coming up soon. They'll reprint the other cycle of Fastlands. Mm-hmm. But normal creatures we see every week. Two Ledger Shredder this week with three Merc Tides. Pretty normal spell suite that we see every week. Pretty normal deck that we see every week for for isn't Merc Tide. Uh, the sideboard doesn't have a whole lot of crazy stuff going on either, I don't think. Unless you see something that jumps out of you as, you know. Nothing out we of haven't the- seen before. Okay. I didn't think so. It's it is a little bit disjointed. Like most of the time, they don't run this quite this many one ofs. Yeah, uh, it definitely is a little more um, like diggy, like toolboxy, but it's still it's still a pretty standard Merktide region list. Second place is something that I don't think I've ever seen in modern. This is a Jeskai, you know, Ragavan, Ledger Shredder, Emery. Of course, a Teferi because you got white. The best removal on Holy Heat, Lightning Bolt. Expressive Iteration, and this card called Grape Shot, paired with Underworld Breach. We're playing Storm, guys. It's a grinding station deck. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I don't think we've seen... Have we seen Jeskai Grinding Station? I don't think it was Jeskai, although I feel bad now. Like We have seen a couple grinding station decks, but I don't remember exactly what they ran. Yeah, now I'm having like... Now, I'm, I've, now I've immediately lost all faith in myself that... Is it always Jeskai? I didn't think it was always Jeskai. Well, Emperor, please send me a message on Discord and let me know if I'm just a freaking idiot. <laughs> so I don't think we've seen Jeskai Grinding Station, but maybe we have. Obviously, we saw Breach. To be fair, um, in in your defense, we don't see Grinding Station very often. It's been a little while. It has been a minute. It was, it was we saw it a bunch. It was kind of a rate, like Grinding Station was the thing for a month or two. And it's been a little while since we've seen... Uh, the Underworld Breach decks we've seen recently have been the... Um, well, they've basically like, been a similar list to this. They've been that value. But yeah, they just kind of use Underworld Breach to generate some value towards the middle or end of the it's game. Been, it's been like a prowess Underworld Breach deck yeah. with Mishra's Bobble to either draw a bunch of cards or Lightning Bolt your opponent a bunch of times. Yeah. So um, the artifacts feeling that are going to be like Mox Amber, Mishra's Bobble, Aether's Bomb, Aether Spell Bomb, and then of course three Grinding Stations to pair with the Underworld Breaches to just <laughs> make grinding station go off. Uh, you do have the Ursa Saga package, of course, because why wouldn't you? And then the sideboard, um, things like, you know, ex- explosives, crypt, pithing needle, prismatic ending, shadow spear, spell pierce, some more to fairies, wear and tears, and a couple furies. Um, so third place is a list that I don't think I've seen top eight in a long time, but I do love seeing it get played. If you've ever seen a top eight, this is mono black cabal coffers mana yes. through the roof. Um, I've, I've watched this be played quite a bit on, a, on, on YouTube. It's a really fun deck. It is probably some of the most fun magic I've seen get played where obviously the deck, you know, it has to, uh, get going, but when it gets going, it just does such crazy things. Cause you get, you start having multiple cabal coffers fueled up with Urborg and you just have 15, 20 mana a turn. Mm-hmm. Like this deck is on the low end where it's not even running Emrakul. Yeah, like usually these decks are running like Emmer, either thirteen or fifteen Emrakul. They're running like Kozilek because it because it's not it, it's these decks have the ability to like tutor up Emrakul and then cast it. 
Whereas this deck, it's it's like it's really high top end is going to be Karn with a wishboard of things like Wormcoil Engines, Cityscape Lever, Level or Sundering Titan, um, stuff like that. Like the top end is a lot lower. The, the other top end is also Invoke Despair, which is also a really cool card. Yep, sure is. Um, I've thought about I thought long and hard when I was building Rakdos midrange and I needed a top end because I needed I needed a four mana card because I'm not buying Sheldrids and I thought really hard about running invokes, but four is way less than five. Yeah. And, and four black. <laughs> and it's four black. It's very hard to cast. On top of the reason I chose so for example, I chose Chandra, for example, four mana Chandra, because I really wanted card advantage. Mm-hmm. She's the one that you can exile a top card and you can play it. Yeah. You can cast it, so but yeah, I thought long and hard about Invoke Despair because that card's awesome. But yeah, this is... And then in, so in your spell suite... So cool. Lots of removal. Blood Chief's Thirst, Fatal Push, March of Sor- March of Wretched Sorrow, um, Damnation. Also, just straight up Damnation to wipe the board. Uh, Knight's Whisper for some extra uh, card advantage. Profane Tutor to go get whatever you need, which, I mean, a lot of times you can just Profane Tutor for another Cabal Coffers and, like... Either slam your first Cabal Coffers, your first Ordwork, or your second Cabal Coffers and go fucking insane. I was going to make a joke about, hey, Jake, do you think a Demonic Tutor would see play in Modern? <laughs> yes. In at least one deck, for <laughs> at least sure. one deck it would. <laughs> I, think, I think Demonic Tutor would be way better in Modern than Legacy, because Demonic Tutor is just on mass slower. Yeah, for sure. But it also would probably see play in Legacy, because there are decks that just play worse Demonic Tutor. So, yes, Matt, I get it. I, I was just making a joke. We didn't I know. Well. The funny thing that I did want to bring up is duress instead of thoughtseize. This deck just doesn't give a fuck about creatures. It doesn't give a fuck about creatures, and I think, um, and I imagine the life is your life total is really a factor here because yeah. you are again. There's no creatures in the main, so like you you're are never blocking. Yeah, you're never blocking. Modern's a very aggressive format, and that, those are real considerations you have to make. I remember a good comparison I could think of is uh, it was I believe it was Callum uh, White Faces MTG. And he was playing like Esper, Esper something. Mm-hmm. And he had a split of like three Kozilek to two du- Thoughtseize or something like that. He was up either on Duresses or Kozileks and down on Thoughtseizes because he was like a four Snapcaster deck. And he said it's it's very real. Like when you start casting your fourth Thoughtseize for the game, that life really, really yeah, matters. You've done half your opponent's work for him. Yes. And so that kind of got me thinking about Thoughtseize differently in a lot of decks where like I kind of used to always just forget that it costs you two life because um, it doesn't matter most of the time. Like I'd really gladly pay two life for you to discard your Alsor Shepherd. But, you know, there are deck strategies where it, you have to consider that it really, really is important when you're paying two life three times, which I mean, it was kind of funny. I was playing against uh, Zorius uh, Spirits on Monday and like, yeah, I ended up I went shock thought sees thought sees. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm at like 14. <laughs> that's just their job got a lot easier. And that's, and that's an aggro deck. I just I just took a turn off his clock. Maybe Minimum, two. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's a good thing I'm playing a good deck and they're not. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing I'm playing one of the best decks or the best deck in the format. Yep. I think he that might have been the game he won. But yeah, like it's it's real. And so for duress here, just really putting a nod towards we have no creatures. We have um some life gain in March of Wretched Sorrow, but not reliable life gain. Like, we need to be prepared to, you know. Well, it's also got Knight's Whisper, like you talked about. So, Thought Seize and Knight's yeah. Whisper. Now you're talking about really taxing yeah. your life. Just be prepared to answer the creatures on the board 
and whatever effects they're going to ETB with and then take out the spells from their hand that are unanswerable. Like, and you know, the planeswalkers or the enchantments or the artifacts that yeah. just cannot really get deal with. Deal yeah. With. I imagine the planeswalkers are probably one of the biggest things. Like, I mean, Knight's Whisper or March of Registrar is basically your only choice. Yeah. Black X, you can pitch a black card to make it cost two less and you deal X damage and gain X life to a creature or planeswalker. But yeah. Yeah. A really cool deck. A lot of fun. I love watching it. I'd love to get to play it. But I probably never will. Like I'd play the shit out of that deck. No, just like there's too many expensive cards I need to buy. Like Urborgs are just too expensive for me to want to get. Oh, they're only forty dollars <laughs> a piece. Yeah, I know. <sighs> Cabal coffers, even though I mean Cabal coffers are one fifth what they used to be, but they're still like twenty bucks a piece. Yep, I already have them. So give you a five bucks a piece for them. Hard pass. <laughs> All right, next up we do have another deck we haven't seen in a while. Boros Burn showing up um, and making shit happen. Goblin Guide, Monastery Swift Spear, uh, Searing Blade, Skullcrack, Exquisite Firecraft. I don't think we've seen this. Exquisite Firecraft does four damage to target creature or player. And if there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, it can't be countered. I we, That seems okay. It pops up every now and then. For a three mana sorcery, that seems yeah. okay. It's... It finishes the it finishes the game against like control decks. You can't be because it doesn't even hit planeswalkers, right? Uh, yeah, creature or player. Yeah, creature or player. So yeah. it's not like you'd bring it in against like the Zorius control deck to take out their five fairy or something. Like the uncounterable isn't nothing, but is it worth three mana? It's also four damage, which the going rate for four damage is usually two. Yeah, because we've got like Boros Charm, but it also does hit creatures, so. Paying one more for it to, it's almost always going to be uncounterable. Well, but, well, yeah, because it's, I, I was thinking like, we well, have things like Flame Slash, but those are only creatures. Those, those are, are only players. creatures. There's no flexibility so there. Paying one more, you only have a couple in there. It doesn't see, at least the last few times I've seen Burn, it's not a universally accepted card. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those. Gotcha. I personally don't know if I would run it. Yeah, in I the, don't. In the right meta, I would. Like, in the right meta, being uncounterable could matter a lot. Could matter. And to be that. fair, it costing three against the decks where it matters doesn't matter as much because the game's going to go long anyways. Yeah, that's very true. That's a good point. Uh, beyond that, I don't see much in the sideboard that's uh, interesting. Like Sanctifier, Envex, Deflecting Palms, yeah. Vortexes. Looks, pretty, looks like a pretty standard Boros list except for... At least in my opinion, the Exquisite Firecraft. I love Roiling Vortex. That card's so good. It is a very good card, and I've gotten uh, hosed by it pretty hard several times, where, like, my plan this game against Burn or Mono Red or whatever is just some incidental life gain. You know, if I can just gain, like, five life this game, that buys me the couple turns I need to end it, and they'll be like, yeah, Rolling Vortex, I'm never tapping one of my mountains. Right. And it's like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. Can I win this game? <laughs> really good. And it also just wins the game, too. It's like... It like one damage. Again, once you go through and, and I'm my this was in Pioneer, so it's a little different. But yeah, once that's on the board for three or four turns, that's a free lightning bolt. Mm -hmm. Not to Absolutely. mention it's possibly sticking cards in your hand, which is super relevant too. Like, yeah, I mean, we're talking about modern here. Whenever a player casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, it does five damage to them. Does that ring any bells yeah. to anybody? Some of the best <laughs> cards printed in the last five years for right. modern. Oh, you're gonna solitude me? Cool. Take, Take five. five. Yeah pretty fucking dope oh and by the way you can't gain life this turn so yeah. your solitude <laughs> yeah the solitude that you did hard cast you can block with it it's no lifelink right no sir uh fifth place another murktide regent list uh looks very similar to the first one 
and I mean either similar or the exact same. Uh, spell snare. Matt's Yay. happy. There's a spell snare. I don't think the first place list had a spell snare, did it? Did it have a spell remember. snare? Again, it spell did snare. have a spell snare. Not spell even snare is just an elegant card. Not even innovative. Just worse in fifth place. Um, oh, that's what they're missing an Archmage's charm. That's what did it for them. But yeah, nothing, uh, nothing crazy going on here. Uh, sixth place is Rakdos Midrange slash Rakdos Scam. Um, still probably like I think Rakdos Scam has like maybe my vote for one of the most powerful decks in modern right now. The number of times I have uh, I've seen Rakdos Scam just effectively win the game on turn one or two. It's definitely very beatable, and a lot of times like you you can you can come back from a from a, a scammed grief. That's really hard. It's really, really hard. It's hard to come back from a scammed grief without your two best cards. Yes. And <laughs> the number of times I've seen, like, this deck is so rarely out of it. It does run a lot, it does run a lot of bad cards. And, like, Feign Death, Undying Malice are just objectively bad cards. You don't have anything to go with them. But it is, I've seen this deck come back from so many unwinnable positions because they scam Fury on turn five. And it's like, oh, wow. The entirety of this board has shifted, and now they have an eight-eight double strike. Yeah, they, my I have no board or a one-one, and they have an eight-eight or a four-four double. You know, what I'm saying? Yeah. like the just out of nowhere, they have three cards in their hand, or they have two. Draw the third. Oh, cool! They drew Fury. Ga- pop, like, pop, pop. This game is board yeah, wipe. Dish out eight, eight, eight damage, and now you got a a freaking huge dude. Yep, that is sometimes a two-turn clock. So this is probably on and, and and you get to run Fable the Mirror Breaker, which is just a huge fucking bonus. This card is on my short list of like, even though it's not like the most played deck, it's a very highly paid deck. Might be one of the best decks in modern, in my opinion. And I think if you were looking for a deck to play in modern that well, if price was no option because it's eleven hundred dollars and, you know, Furies are fucking one hundred and forty bucks for a playset. Not to mention Ragavan. Ragavans are three hundred dollars for a playset. Fable the Mirror Breaker is one hundred dollars for a playset. But like if if. This seemed oh my god, Bloodstained Myers are $155 for a playset. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um it, like this uh. is like a deck. Like if you want to just play a deck that has relatively straightforward lines and just wins games, this is the deck I would go for. Because most of the lines in this deck are relatively straightforward. Things like Season Pyromancer. You play Season Pyromancer, draw two cards. That wasn't that hard to do. Like, turn one, can I scam Fury? That's not too hard to decide. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna thought seize you twice and have a, a four a four three. Like very straightforward lines. One of the things I like about this kind of deck is like when you're typically speaking, when you're playing a mid-range deck, you almost never get free wins. Yes. And this one does. It does. It gives up a little bit of its consistency by running Feign Death and Undying Malice, where yep. every now and then you're gonna go you're gonna draw like four of those in a row and just lose. Absolutely. From not doing anything. So but you get a little bit of inconsistency. It's not even like those cards are dead in the mid to late game. The number I, how often I see where like you have to attack into them or they attack into you. And it's like, well, I'll double block and just kill the fury. And it's yeah. like second feign death. Right. I don't know, Fain, does that one give it undying? Yeah, no, it doesn't give it undying. Good. Because the undying ones don't stack. Yeah. But you hold on to these cards and like it just makes it makes blocking a fucking nightmare. It makes lightning bolt a fucking nightmare card to use. Mm-hmm. What I mean is they don't do oh, anything yeah. direct. So like those those were different arguments. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like every now and then it's kind of like Llanowar Elf. Yeah. Where it's like you just cool. It's turn eight and I go Llanowar Elf, Llanowar Elf, and they're effectively drawing lands. Yes. And you're just like, cool cards that don't do anything. Yes. 
typically speaking, mid-range decks don't have that problem or it's minimized, it's minimized. as much as possible. That's the yeah. whole point of their decks is to just run the best cards. Yep. You give up a little bit of that. And every now and then you win on turn one. You win on turn one. Yeah. <laughs> like, the game is effectively over. Like, yeah. Like the, like your your opponent mulligan to six and you take their only two keepable cards. Yeah. And it's like, I, this game, game is effectively over. Yeah. Not always, but it's effectively over. Not to mention you now have a four, three minutes. Yes. You have a, you have a clock. <laughs> yeah. You have a real clock. Oh, you've got six cards and, and I took your two cards and answer it. And the ability <laughs> like this deck the ability of this mid-range deck to stabilize is better than any other mid-range deck I've ever seen. Where the stabilize is fury undying. Yeah. Eight damage divided as you choose. How like well, I'm the kill, stabilize is I'm killing that planeswalker, I'm killing those two creatures, and I'm making that one so it can't block this turn. Attack. The the stabilize, even if you don't like undying fury, the stabilize is I'm gonna play a threat and an answer in the same card. Yeah. Like and, and it's, it's it's one thing to go, oh, you have a good dude, so I'm going to play, just for example, argument's sake, the same dude, right? Yeah. So cool, now I've stabilized, we both have a 5-5. Five, five. It's, it's a totally other thing to go, I'm going to play my 5-5, five, five, and when he comes into play, he kills your 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. We've and totally shifted. Don't forget, like the downside of Fury is you don't have Feign Death, so you just kill three other things. Yeah, like you just make it a two for two, and you clean the board state up, or you just pay five mana and just, or you have five mana and you kill two of their things and you have a three three double strike. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. it's this is one of the best mid range decks I've ever seen. Mid range decks are by far one of my favorite decks to play, and mid range decks are notoriously the worst decks in Magic because they don't do the super aggressive stuff really really good. Which I mean, you should be on the you should be on an extreme for Magic. We've discussed that. If you should be on the extreme end of a of a bar. To do really well, you should either be the biggest, baddest fucking deck or do the biggest, baddest fucking thing, or you should go faster than anyone that so that it doesn't matter. And mid range decks obviously are neither of those. They're in the middle. They're trying to play really efficient creatures and just get in for enough damage and kind of get it done in the middle of the game. Um, and so, like, as a metagame evolves, usually those decks fall out because the decks that learn how to do the shit really fast are better than them. And the decks that learn how to do the biggest, baddest shit are better than them. And this deck is like, well, sometimes I'm the fastest kid on the block and I also have huge upside too. not the biggest shit, but huge upside. Yeah. I mean, fuck it kills a Traxa. Yep. You could scam fury and kill a Traxa. It's a seven, seven. <laughs> I'm not saying no one plays a Traxa in modern, but just for reference, yep. you could scam a fury mm -hmm. and fucking kill an Traxa. You could also scam a grief and make it so a Traxa is never a fucking concern. I just, That's true. or Archon, for example, it kills Archon. There you go. It kills Archon. <laughs> fucking Archon. <laughs> But yeah, I I love uh I love Rakdos midrange. I really, really do. Speaking of Archon though, seventh place and Domino Creativity, probably the strongest combo deck in, in modern right now. Uh three Archons, four Rens, three Teferis, uh, four Creativities, three, uh, one Transmogrify. Uh don't see much in here that's really interesting. Four Leyland bindings, four fables. This looks pretty standard. Yeah. The one the one planes in the sideboard. Blood Moon, baby. I know. It's just funny. <laughs> so what do we have any so interestingly enough we don't have a single non-basic or we don't have a single basic land in the main so obviously like that helps for um what literally ley line binding but i guess sometimes that's all you need i yeah. guess it, like is that, that correct me if i'm wrong that's literally the only oh it helps you cast march of otherworldly light yep that's what it does okay okay 
So you can bring in a planes, you can bring, cause like I don't, or wear and tear. So those are the two, those are the two. That's, I don't think I would bring in um, a planes to fight against, you know, blood moon when the only thing it does in the main board is let you cast Leyland binding for six or for five, which isn't that great. And it lets you cast prismatic ending for two because everything else in the deck is a mountain, which I was, two is not three. And that's what matters there. But it does let you do those things, which could be relevant, but it also does let you cast all of your sideboard cards. It lets you cast tear. It let you cast hollowed moonlight, destroy evil, which those probably aren't that big a deal in a blood moon deck, but still, but it lets you cast March of Otherworldly Light and Wear and Tear. And those are hyper, hyper relevant. So you can... Well, Destroy Evil does destroy Blood Moon. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yep. I forgot Destroy Evil hits and enchantments. I would... My brain just latched onto the four or greater. Yep. Yeah. So one planes gives you access to three ways to kill a Blood Moon. Seems like a great sideboard slot to me. Yeah. If you're If you are that afraid of just running one planes in your main board. Which honestly is probably not that bad of an idea to run a planes in your main board because people do run Field of Ruin and Ghost Quarter. Get your thinking face on. What are you thinking about? Well, what I expected to see were shocks so you could find that one planes. Well, you mean fetches? Yeah, fetches. Now, obviously, the fetches don't fetch when Blood Moon's already out. Yep. But presumably, you're going to be fetching that right away. So you've got, but I guess you're right. You do only have four um, Arid Mesa. Yeah. Those are the only ways. But I guess, I mean, everything else just fetches mountains, so something there's no that, other options. Something that is relevant, because you have to be able to get mountains. To, Dwarven Mines, you want one of your best yeah. cards. Uh, something that is relevant, though, and to keep in mind, you do have Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Fable of the Mirror Breaker, through a Blood Moon, does make white mana. That's true. So yep. you do have extra accesses to white. Um, obviously, you would much prefer to be able to have an Arid Mesa. Go get that Plains turn one. You're in a really good spot the rest of the game, but you do have the outs of drawing a Fable and... Not to mention, you do have the outs of if they like mulligan defy for a quick blood moon hand. Like, I mean, I can just play mountains. Yeah. Play a fable, the mirror breaker and the, play a creativity. The backbone of the deck is a red deck. Yeah. So. Like everything that matters is red. You're yeah. obviously taking a lot of my tools away, but I can still do all my stuff under under a blood moon. Mm hmm. You ever think you'd say the sentence dwarven mine is one of the best cards in the deck? No, <laughs> no. I wrote that card off immediately when I saw it. That that card's laughably bad. You mean I can fetch it's for the a, perfect magic card? It is for this. Well, just that's how I, I I've said it like four times today. That's what I like about a card. That card sucks, except for the one can the yep, one deck where can, it doesn't can really abuse it. Yep, and it's not even like when it was printed. It's not even like obvious. So like, there's some cards where it's like, oh well, that can come. It's hey, well, this they, is a land that makes a one one when they when they printed the spell lands. That nobody plays. Yeah. Well, it's pretty obvious that goes in Oops Hall spells. That right. was a gift to them. Those cards are pretty bad. Uh, I guess, and that's not necessarily true. You do see them sometimes in uh, Chrome Mox decks. Yeah. So you can get some extra mana. But for the most part, those cards don't see any play, except for the one deck that can really abuse them. Yeah, Dwarven Mind's another example of a card that no one fucking plays, except for the one deck that can really abuse it, that just really needs an just, instant speed, one mana creature. Yep. Or one, sorry, uh, instant speed, non-card creature. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's actually really cool. I didn't think about, I'm glad you brought that one planes because going a little deeper into that sideboard and seeing like all of the ways to deal with a blood moon and how that one planes takes care of gets to all of them is really good. Really, really clever. Good deck building. Wrapping it up this week in modern mono green Tron going big with worm coil engine, Kozilek, Olamog, seven mana Karn and Ugin. We have a lot of payoffs in this deck. 
hmm. more than we usually see in Tron. Usually in Tron, you'll see like Ugin and Karn and maybe one Eldrazi and Worm Coil. We have two Worm Coil, two Eldrazi, three Karns and two Ugins. We have a, we have a ton of payoffs. Who hurt you? <laughs> yeah, someone had their seven mana Karn killed one too many times and then drew dead for three turns. That was one of my best wins ever. Was it a modern tournament? It, it, I I think I went like 3-2 that day or whatever. Nothing major. Uh-huh. But I beat a fucking Ugin with elves. <laughs> How? Ugin says minus two, wipe the board. I don't even remember. <laughs> but he Ugin'd and I fucking beat him. <laughs> Getting lightning bolted every turn? Were you just that good or were they just that bad? You would think that you'd have to be real bad. I don't I don't remember the details, but I was like, how the fuck did I win that game? I feel like I feel like some shenanigans happened and somebody was like having fun and then like he was not having fun. Well, you know what I mean? Like when like you're kind of like having fun. And then, oh, I'll just do this. Then I'll just you're kind of having too much fun playing magic. And then you realize like three turns later, it's like, oh, fuck. Well, that was yeah. these tides are turning. The dude who uh, reanimated Blazing Archon and killed himself. At yeah, like, is he turning against a me? A little too much fun. Yeah, and maybe pay attention to your life total, bud. Reanimate he, does me. Yeah, you, do, just, but, you okay. do lose eight life to cast that spell. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Reanimate's not free. <sighs> a great card. Yep. A really well-costed card. Yeah, it costs one mana and half your fucking life total for any card you care about. Yep. For any creature that you really want in play, it takes half your life. Hey, look at that. A card with downsides. Yeah. God, did you see Saffron Olive put up a post about there's an old Praetor. What are the odds I can fucking find it? What are the odds I can fucking find it? He was talking about one of like the Ochi Praetors. Because it's an old avatar, but it's been errata to be a Praetor. Because there's a new card, the the new tree. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can search your library for any number of Praetors. And yeah. put them in like Eldrazi or, or not Eldrazi, but uh, I think it's like Phyrexians or Praetors. Yeah. And put them into play. And it just, it just emphasizes how fucking bad cards used to be. Eben Praetor. Four black black. This is, I have no idea what set this is from. It looks like a book with a rising sun behind it. Eben Praetor. Four black black. A 5-5 with first strike and trample. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a negative 2, negative 2 counter onto Eben Praetor. Sacrifice a creature. Remove a negative 2, negative 2 counter from Eben Praetor. If the sacrifice creature was a thrall, put a plus one, plus zero counter on Ebon Praetor. Play this ability only during your upkeep and only once a turn. Yep. What a disgustingly bad card. Five, six mana for a five, five, first strike trample. But first turn it gets to attack, it's a three, three, unless you sack a creature, which you can only do once a turn. And it's adding these stupid fucking counters to the creature. A negative two, negative two counter, or a plus one, plus O counter. Yep. <laughs> now, back in the day, I never saw that card see play, so I'm not going to oh, say. I bet here. that was strong as fuck. But there was a great card. Uh, I don't know. I. You're telling me my land of war elf can help cast this and then let me have a five five first strike <laughs> trample. Um. So what I will say though is there are plenty of creatures along the same lines. Yes. Like, uh. Now, we were obviously not playing competitive magic, but even like lunch lunch table magic, we'd see stuff like cumulative upkeep creatures uh-huh. or just so like so, pay eight, like force of nature. I used to play force of nature all the time, and it was like pay four green on your upkeep or it deals you eight yeah. for an eight, eight trample. So um, there's an older gentleman that started playing Pioneer with us. I'm not going to say his name. Super nice guy. 
Um, but he's clearly been playing magic for a very long time and he's, it looks like he's getting into pioneer or he's been, he's, I, cause he has some proxy stuff. He kind of has just some stuff. He's kind of making it work. Yeah. Really nice guy. Love playing with him. You can tell he's been playing magic for a long time because I'll play a card and he'll read it and you can just see his mind go. Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. This card does what? How many times have you seen me do that? Yes, I know. Or I'm just like. What the fuck is going on? He's been playing Magic forever. I'm guessing he got out of it for a little while, and he wants to get back into some competitive Magic. Pioneer's a really accessible way. We allow proxies. And he's just running up against... He's playing Mono White Angels, like a a straightforward, simpler deck, easier to build, and just losing to these cards where it's like, what the fuck, dude? Are you fucking... Like, I got... I assembled um, Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker Mm -hmm. and Blood Tithe Harvester, you know, uh, Machine Gun on. And it's just like... And just trying to follow all the things that are happening. It's like, so when does that get sacrificed? Oh, this doesn't sacrifice. This makes things to sacrifice themselves. This just does it forever. Yeah. Like this. And just, you can see that he's from a time or he, at least had played a lot of magic where like cards had legitimate downsides. And now that's not a thing. Cards are just fucking insane. Yeah. I, and you can see his brain start to process how fucking ridiculous these cards are. So this card used to dominate our lunch table. Colossus of Sardia, nine mana, nine, nine, trample, does not untap normally during your untap phase. You may spend nine mana during your upkeep to untap. Yeah. The nine mana, nine, nine with trample that you have to spend all your mana every turn. Every turn. Yeah. Dude, remember, and you've told me this, I was never like, Savannah Lions almost broke magic. Yeah, it used to be rare. When you had a one mana, two, one. Very, very good card. And that was like revolutionary. Mm Mm-hmm. Dude, when people now you can play Glissa for three, and if it hits with first strike death touch, if it hits, you draw a card or nuke a permanent or remove all the counters from something. Yeah. When uh when people were playing Necropotence, they were playing it in like Hagrodex, and they were casting like three mana two two first strikes with it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it wasn't that great when it drew you shitty cards. Yeah, it's just well, just like you have one of the most broken cards accidentally sitting beside like stupid knights. A fucking forming a two-two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Necrotal. People were excited when Necrotal got reprinted in the uh time shift or time spiral block. It's a four mana two one or two two, I don't remember. With first strike. Yep. And I think it uh it I think it might kill something give me a second while he wraps that up it, mono green tron nothing crazy going on here um i said pretty heavy on the, like the the payoff package in my opinion but yeah. nothing crazy going when it on comes here. into play destroy target non-black non-artifact creature it's a four mana first strike two one but it kills the thing but it etbs etbs shriek maws it's shriek maws for four mana correct and then is a two one first strike yes yep and, and then we're like <gasps> like Necrotal's back. magic is such a different thing Sure is. I mean, it would not, if this got printed tomorrow for a black and a colorless, that would not surprise me at all. I didn't even, and I wasn't trying to be rude, but like we were playing a game and I was way ahead and I was like, I channeled Takanuma and I, he didn't even ask. I didn't even tell him what it was. Because <laughs> like, I don't want to explain that. No, it's a land that comes into play tap, but if I don't need it, I can just discard it and get the best creature out of my graveyard and put it back into my hand. <laughs> He was so he was already so defeated at this point because yep. I had just I just killed his last six things. Yep, and half of them I used the fucking creature that I made this turn to do it. Mm-hmm. And then he finally managed to kill something, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll just talk a new minute back because I have six mana." Because who gives a shit? Yeah, it's that's, yeah. I know that feeling. I mean, 
Yeah, it's magic is a very different place than it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But let's wrap this up. Metagame summary. Murktide Regent and Rakto Scam, each of them with 22% of the meta. Hey, that almost totals up to Legacy's uh, other category. Well, it's that's, a little higher. But I will say that's too much. And then we're in that 44-ish percent of the meta was these two decks. That's not Does that sound great. familiar? It does. I wonder if people are upset about it because we were upset about it in Legacy for a year. Yeah, I was going to say the big difference is that's what it looked like. For a year. <laughs> for a year and a half. It wasn't, yeah. I mean, Delver wasn't 50% of the meta. No. And it wasn't, we didn't have 50% on two decks until the last like three months or two months when initiative broke out. Yeah. But yeah, they, these absurd, like seeing Murktide at 22% is fucking ridiculous. That's too much regularly. I'm not saying it's a problem this week, but regularly, that's too much. Other at 12.5% with four decks. Murfo- Murfolk with two decks. Hey. Hammer Time with two decks. And Domino Creativity with two decks. Four and five color Omnath and Burn both with two decks. Couple one ups, Yogmoth, Prowess, Tron, and Living End. Most played cards, Ragavan, Lightning Bolt, Explosive Iteration, Engineered Explosives, Mistress Bobble. Those are a lot of order, sorry. It's Engineered Explosives in third, Iteration in fourth. Oddly enough, though, I mean, look at that. That's just, uh, hey, that's uh, Murktide region. Cool. <laughs> top creatures, Ragavan, Fury, Grief, Season Empire, Mantra, Ledger, Shredder. Hey, that's the top two decks. Ragavan's in 50% of decks. Yeah, card's good. Ugh. I think I don't think the card's as good as people as people feel like it is. I think I think because I think Ragavan makes so many feel bads. I don't think it's the unstoppable force that people people bitch like it is. That being said, that card is fucking amazing. Well, and I agree with you to some extent, but the flip side is it's in fifty percent of fucking decks. That's true. <laughs> so now this is a bad one to look at because fifty yeah because forty four percent of the oh, meta are it's, Ragavan decks, but. The flip side is 44% of the Ragavan decks. Yeah. <laughs> card, card is good. And then top spells, Lightning Bolt, Engineered Explosive, Expressive Iteration, Mishra's Bobble, and Unholy Heat. Matt, it is literally two hours and one second on record time. That'll change a little bit for you guys. But I told Matt I wanted to be under two hours. We failed, but only just. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about this week? The only thing, just a comment. The two Merfolk thing. Wouldn't it be funny if secretly Merfolk was the best deck in modern? And just no one played it because they're like Merfolk. Is Merfolk? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy's like, "Hey, this don't uh, tell anybody. This don't tell anyone." Next catcher's actually a pretty good card. It is a very good card. Go Merfolk. But I am confident to tell you that Merfolk is not secretly the best deck in modern. Probably not. But it is good. You know what else is good? Is reaching out to us on our many platforms that you could talk to us from. Most of them are literally segue. just contact platforms at this point. But yeah, Twitter, Facebook, uh, email. We're basically Cantrip Cartel everywhere. It's cantripcartel at gmail.com. Enjoy the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel. Hop in there. Uh, Rose, I will be getting your playmat ordered tonight, and especially with you being on that super tier. Uh, the co-host will get it signed, me and Matt, and get sent out to you. Assuming you want it signed. He, uh, they do. Okay. I, I talked to someone at the card shop. I think it was Winter. And she said that Winter text her and yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. signature. Pres- yes, but you're right. Assuming they, they want it signed, we'll get it signed. But that'll be getting hopefully hopefully to you in a week or two on Monday. But Matt, if there's nothing I'm forgetting, then we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So um, at the end of your turn, I'm just going to go for the throat. You're only creature. Uh, you know, we're playing Pioneer. So I'm just going to play the best three drop and... Uh, so untap and I'll play Fable the Mirror Breaker I suppose Value City <laughs> <laughs>
Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Drinking mad, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ales, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queer and rangers cross the sylvan libraries, for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound Allosaurus, shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds, Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found, through their visions thou and serum they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses, make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic through ancestral visions they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel draw cards with the cantrip cartel Wrong cards with the cantrip cartel.